Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Morning all, Vax Axe has a headline making this morning's mirror. There's a very good Q&A making the Irish Independent today. Alicia O'Regan does a Q&A on AstraZeneca and the uh, rare event of blood clotting or indeed death. So I'll come back to that later on. Certainly everybody seems to be talking about it. So I might go through the Q&A, might explain a little bit as to where we're at with it. But where we're at with regards to the headlines, a logistical nightmare for the rollout of the vaccine now because AstraZeneca has been shot in the arm itself uh, for the under uh, 60s. They've got to come up with a new plan now. Um, anyway, I won't get overly complicated because they are saying that it's judged somewhat unsafe for under 60s, which means that um, thousands have had their uh, vaccination cancelled now, particularly, you know, on a daily, like today you're talking about thousands of people who are due to get their vaccine today. They had their appointments axed because of this blood clot fear. But if you look, and you can see a lot of it in the app, the COVID tracker app, if you look at the different types of vaccines that are being used in this country um, on a on a daily basis. Uh, predominantly, it's the Pfizer-BioNTech, which is nearly three quarters of a million of that. And then secondly, it's AstraZeneca, 233,000. And third, then, is the Moderna vaccine. It's like 45, 50,000 of that been been administered. And soon, of course, we'll have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being added into the mix. But AstraZeneca still trails well behind uh, the Pfizer-BioNTech. Um, but the headlines of the papers this morning call it a kick in the Astra. Massive fears for rollout. Now, it certainly pushes lots back and they're changing the timescale uh, for some people with regards to their second vaccine from 12 to 16 weeks. Um, and appointments have been cancelled left, right and centre. So one wonders now whether they have to revisit everything with regards to a relaxation of restrictions and coming out of lock- lockdown. There was a video during the rounds the last couple of days and we were all scrambling as to trying to make sense of it and it was members of the travelling community I mean I'm talking about like dozens upon dozens upon dozens of caravans and mobile homes on the move and it was said at the time that they were camping behind behind, beside the Pfizer plant and they weren't going to move until they got the vaccine well members of the travelling community make the mail today saying that they're shocked uh, after videos surfaced online showing them setting up outside the Pfizer plant and demanding a vaccine they say that it's nothing more than just a coincidence, no more than that and the paper carries photographs, I mean there was a huge amount of them on the move certainly over the weekend and decided to pitch next to Pfizer, nothing more uh, than coincidence, so with everything that's going on now, Neffet want, want Ireland to remain under six more weeks of restrictions, you know, push back any kind of changes across the back end of April and early May, because of uh, AstraZeneca and issues like that. But we get a look at the taste of freedom that they had in the UK. And on air yesterday morning, Mark Willington called it correctly when he said, I'm not so sure there's going to be as much of a take-up with regards to outside pints and beer gardens or pubs yesterday in the UK because it was bitterly, bitterly cold. And he's proven right in the English Times this morning where there was little to recommend al fresco dining in parts of the UK because it was Baltic. So the weather was Baltic and the pines were Baltic, but nonetheless, they do have pictures of people with Primark bags, the equivalent to our pennies. 
And they have other photographs then of people getting their hair done. Uh, and others then up on gym bikes and they're baiting away on spinning machines. So what can you do? That's just the way it is. Meanwhile, the paper's also talking, you heard it in the news today, of a Cork woman who claimed 69 grand went on holidays uh, to Barbados. Uh, come back to that a little later on because it was before the courts. She fraudulently claimed just under 70 grand in carer's allowance for minding her elderly mother in Cork when she was actually living in London and using the money to go on holidays to Barbados, Morocco and other places. It's a story that makes the echo this morning. Front and inside page, a story of Mary O'Callaghan, who used significant amounts of the money uh, that she defrauded going on foreign holidays. She's managed to pay back 10 grand of it. And the judge wants to know, uh, but what about all of the rest of the money? What are you going to do about that? So that'll be before the courts again. Um, and uh, she's hoping that she'll be able to put together some significant sums of money, according to her, her barrister. Uh, I'll come back to it a little later on, because uh, if she wasn't care for her, her mother, who was? Um, and then you heard in the news also that Anglesey Street uh, might... Take a look at the history of why it's called Anglesey Street. That's going to be renamed. Uh, It's going to be renamed McSweeney Street. And many would say, not before time. Uh, The street now uh, looks set to become McSweeney. I don't have the the dates on this, but, you know, last night was Monday night, so in council, these are the kind of things they vote on. And imagine that the um, family of McSweeney and all of the relations done through the through the years be very happy with that uh, and others would suggest that there are other streets that also should get the uh, cork treatment um, like victoria road maybe victoria cross places like that anyway there's a very very disturbing one if you're working inside in a shop and a fella just comes in with a machete and you're working and a lot of the time you're working on your own and he's banging the counter with the machete you'd be inclined to stand back and let him do whatever he wants well, there's a story that makes the papers today coming from the Circle K garage on the Blackrock Road. Back in November of 2019, in comes this character with a machete. He got um, he got a fair whack of cash, actually, to be honest with you. Two different lots of it. Makes the papers today with uh, the Echo carrying the court reports of Liam Heelan. Um, he was found. Um, he denied it and everything like that. He got €400 Euro in, in cash. And then he got another €305 Euro in a second uh, register identified him as a fellow called Jamie Quilligan. I don't know if he'd ever been in trouble before. I don't think not. But, um, you know, you're working inside in a shop and someone comes in with a machete. Mother of God, I don't know if they ever recover from something like that. But anyway, the dog napping story that we had on air yesterday with regards to Rocco makes all of the papers today, uh, particularly the mail picks up on it. Um, some lovely photographs of Rocco reunited with his, uh, with his buddy Dennis, who was on air with us yesterday. This is not a machete. Uh, story, but a hammer wielding story. Now the guards figure that they um, they're not saying much. They gave me a press release press statement yesterday. Uh, they said they won't say any more because it could impend or impede their investigations. But uh, certainly, I think they have somebody in mind, and we'll watch that story. Jumped out of a van um, with a hammer, and if Dennis hadn't taken evasive action, he'd have got a smack of a claw hammer into the side of the head. Ireland's a gateway for drugs into Europe. We knew that because of our coastline. The mirror reminds us of the millions of euro worth of cocaine that is never seized, but actually does get into Ireland and right across Ireland and onto the continent. Coming, continent, coming in primarily uh, from North Africa and uh, South America by all accounts. And, and some personal grooming stories today is Simon Cowell's face makes the mirror. You know the way they do it. They look at Simon Cowell and other people like that before they had Botox, before they had fillers, like photographed from 20 years ago. And then they look at the face of the same person now. Mother of God. 
it certainly would not be an advert for Botox and fillers. Let me put it that way. Uh, but what about the color of your hair then? Because uh, I think there's something very attractive uh, about gray hair in a woman. And I don't mean that to sound sexist or uh, you know, making any kind of remarks as to what color people's hair should be. But apparently... And the mail this morning is suggesting that for some women, the sight of the first grey hair causes alarm, sends them into meltdown. Don't know why. I mean, I think it's rather fetching. But according to studies and research, those who choose not to dye their grey hair um, fear being shamed or treated as being less competent at their job. Isn't that interesting? Um, And this is not any kind of research that's been done by a... um, a company that makes dyeing products for women's hairs. Some journal in Australia, in America, and the US. But they say the women, mostly between the ages of 40 and 60, um, are bothered about grey hair. They are seen as... Um, others say that they felt invisible if they had grey hair and like that they didn't matter to anyone outside of their immediate circle anymore if they had grey hair. Isn't that very deep and worrying research, I have to say? Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. And that's coming from a man who started going grey when he was like 16 or 17 years old. (laughs) You just embrace it and go, I think there's something rather distinguished about grey hair in a man or a woman and something rather attractive as well. Anyway, just one quick TV story. Um, Delighted for reeling in the years. It's toppled uh, the Late Late Show, which apparently isn't hard to do these days. Uh, and it's also toppled Tommy Tiernan. I'm not so sure about that, being a big Tommy fan. But apparently the big ticket item on TV, TV these days is the latest release of Reeling in the Years, which has moved into the 2010s. And it's got 515,000 people watching it and everybody talking about it, Reeling in the Years. Of all generations, it's fabulous TV. And I hope to talk to those behind it later in the week. Lines open at one 850 Neil Prenderville Show. Oh, I don't know. It's body image, body image, body image. It's more and more about body image now than ever before. And while it's important, you know, you don't want to go completely over the top out of it because it will just wreck your head. Do the best you can and leave everybody else alone. What do you think? Text 0868104106. But for the day that was in it yesterday, a lot of people got their freedom. I did too. <laughs> Went down to Kinsale. I mean, there was such a buzz in Kinsale yesterday. It was fantastic. The weather was super. There were so many people around. Everybody was milling on the beaches. You know, the small beach over by the dock. Oh, that was fantastic. Walk up to James Fourth. That was brilliant. Everybody enjoying themselves. Big lunchtime queues at Dino's for the fish and chips. I had to have a lie down. I had to have a lie down after the fish and chips but they were rocking and then over on the what I call the Garrettstown Bridge you know the bridge in Kinsale over to get you over the other side of the channel there's um there's a food truck there one of those gastro food trucks and they were doing rocking business as well so it was absolutely super de duper yesterday I hope you got out there Seamus who gets all the great jobs was down in Yaw Strand yesterday morning chatting to people who were back because they'd been missing the beach and they didn't go outside their 5k they were so so compliant it was their first opportunity to cut loose in months the lifting of restrictions alone for the 5k is brilliant because um, you know there seems seems to be some bit of normality about it you know before to take a coffee we couldn't do this we couldn't do that but hopefully it's just to start to something good you know 
Please go. It's a beautiful morning. Just went for a run there and uh, yeah, it's fabulous. Just to be able to go outside the 5k, it'll make such a difference to all our lives. You know, even to be able to go over to the woods in Killa would be fab. The children have been off school now for a long time and it'll be great that we can get back to the beach and get down for long walks and we've got the new boardwalk as well coming up so it's a lot of exciting stuff. Well we have a lovely wood in Kinal, right? It's lovely up there as well. My husband likes to come to the beach because he has sort of um, chest problems so the beach is good for his, for him to have, you know. Especially the sea air is great for him. This is our first time in about 12 months coming down here to y'all today. We yeah. missed the beach and we missed y'all around the, just the beach here. We were 25 years in the mobile home across the way. We loved every inch and we reared our children very easy like. And uh, we're just on our own now and uh, we were waiting for the day to come that we could come down. So we're really delighted. I told myself, first thing, I'm going to y'all to walk on the beach. And I live, you know, the other side of Tallow. So uh, it wasn't really within my reach. It's beautiful. Yes, it's a perfect day for this. I suppose for people in the area and their mental health, it's going to stand to them hugely. So it is great. It's a sign of light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose. I can't wait to go to McDonald's. <laughs> no, I can't wait. Like, I love. Do you know what we're so McDonald's, used to this? I know. <laughs> no, but we're so used to this because it's on our doorstep. Do you know what I mean? The fact I've been able to actually go outside of y'all. You know, for, for the kids' sake and everything, do you know what I mean? So, I look forward to it. We're lucky, but the, the people from outside couldn't come in. But, uh, you know, it, it's great that they can know. I think people will be very slow to go out of the country this year. And I think they might stay, and, I, and that would be fantastic for our tourism. And that's what we need to boost. But if the so, people from the, the caravan parks and all that know, it'll be ideal for them that they can come and stay there, which is great. And uh, at least they, they can get out of the cities. It should be a big relief to them. Electric Light Orchestra, Mr. Blue Skies. Can I play that, please, for all of the gang in Kelleher's Electrical? I was in there on Saturday and just gone out the door after getting my bits and pieces. They didn't make much money out of me. <laughs> they got change out of a fiver in there. <laughs> they said, Neil, don't forget a bit of a yellow one on Monday morning. Well, I am 24 hours late, but I apologize. I apologize for that. But to all of you, a bit of ELO and Mr. Blue Skies. And we'll have it till Thursday, so make the most of it. Now, there are some great walks, right? Uh, and you probably know about these, but it's good, just good to be reminded of them again. The lads did a bit of research there yesterday on short walking trails. The ones that won't give you a heart attack. Like the old head of Kinsale Loop is a 6K stunner. Check that out yourself and you'll come across the ruins of a Celtic fort built around about 100 BC uh, and also all the way out to the iconic black and white lighthouse. So that starts at the speckled door, right? Okay, I won't have time to go into much of the details of these, but there's another one called the Mount Hillary Forest Walk. That's way down Aisht and you get views the top of the mountain or the summit. It's not a huge big mountain, so it's more like a... Like a soft climb, I suppose. Views into Waterford and all over Cork. Look into Waterford, see people eating blas. Then there's a one that's absolutely incredible. The Ballycotton Cliff Walk. Now, that can be as long as you want because you can turn back as, you know, whenever you want. But there's a 13k walk, which is spectacular right along 
the cliff. It's absolutely beautiful. There's a 5K version of it as well, but I would highly recommend that. The Ballycotton Cliff Walk. Then there's the Rostell and Wood Walk. Beautiful trails down in the woods. You can walk it, you can cycle it, you can jog it. Cortmac Sherry to Ballinglana, the Seven Heads walking route's another cracker. And then the Cargilline to Crosshaven Greenway, which is absolutely super. It's a 5k walk along the old Cork Railway line. Have you done that before? Have you done it yet? Check it out. Glen Gareth has a nature reserve. It's called the Esknamucky Walk. And you got to walk it with a name like that, if nothing else, going down to Esknamucky. And then Gugambara is just begging to be visited again. So you all know about here, talking about like 350 acres of picturesque beauty down in the Shehi Mountains. And there are many more like that, but they're just a few off the top of our heads and it's happy to pass them on to you. The sun is good. You might have a bit of time on your hands to get out there. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I will come back to the issue regarding AstraZeneca. I promise you that um, because many people have questions on it. So uh, don't touch that dial because um, there have been developments, as you know, with regards to whether you're over 60, under 60, underlying conditions, a high medical risk or not. Uh, but I'm going to stay with phone calls for now, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six, and it is health related, incidentally. Gronya, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I was fascinated by uh, by your email. You said I tended your doctor with pain in the side. Your doctor examined it, and then he said he didn't want to send you to the A and E because you were fat. He used the word fat, and you took exception to being called fat. Is that it? I didn't take exception. I think it was afterwards, and I was talking, thinking about it. I was, oh my god. Did I really sit there and take that? <laughs> um, it was only afterwards I kind of realised what he had said. And was was he making the point that he, he didn't want to send you there because fat people don't do well with COVID-19 in a hospital setting? Explain his logic. Um, he just said what he said. He said fat people don't do well with COVID-19. And he asked me, did I have my jab? And I said, no, which I haven't. And he just said, um, well, Boris Johnson is fat. He didn't do well with COVID. And it's the use of the word fat by the doctor that later on upset you. You kind of said to yourself, why did I sit there and take it, is it? Uh, well, I was, um, I was with my mother. My mother came with me. And we were, came home and I was telling my husband. And I was actually repeating it. It sounds desperate. Um, like I work in healthcare and like you have to have some bit of bedside manner you can't be using the word fat now I'm not in denial I'm overweight Yeah. but I'd never say fat to somebody um, it, I just thought it was highly inappropriate do you think that he should have used was it he or she? he that he should have used the word overweight as opposed to the word fat yeah yeah, and even if he said, look, you're a bit obese, I would take that. No problem. Um, but I think it's the word fat. And then saying about Boris Johnson as well, that he didn't do well. I was like, is he comparing me to Boris Johnson? Um, um, I think he, was he making the Boris Johnson comparison because he got knocked for six being overweight, as you would say, and getting COVID, wasn't that? Was that the point he was trying to make? I think so, but it just didn't come across that well. So the word fat, um, is that um, is that an acceptable word anymore for people, I wonder? 
Um, I'm not sure. Like, um, like I'm not in denial that I'm a bit overweight, but I suppose taking the word being called the word fat, I, it threw me afterwards. I was like, mm, about a bedside manner wouldn't go mixed with him. Okay. Do Do you think that it might though at at the same time? Uh, give you maybe the jolt that you need to lose some weight? Well, I have to- other health care problems and I suffer with agoraphobia and which means I find it hard to leave the house. Oh. So I know I've put up weight with the last 12 months. Have you suffered with that um, a long time? Um, I was only diagnosed in the last two year and a half. And did it just come out of nowhere at all? I had panic attacks for years since my first pregnancy. But looking back in it now, you can see things in my childhood that brought it up. That's so, that's so sad. So you, do you get out at all or do you, do you just get like short spells outside? Or like can you, can, you go, can you go shopping? Can you go on holidays? Can you go visiting friends? I mean, not so much of that in the um, last year, I know. But you know what I mean? Um. I done. I was doing CBT therapy last year and up until January, but we put a pause in it with COVID. With CBT therapy, the point is to walk into a shop, look at the, just say coffee, walk out. Then the next time go in, pick up the coffee, walk out. Then the third time you'd go in and you'd actually try and buy the coffee. Wow. Um, it's a slow process. It's all repetitive behavior. Um, so um, we just put a pause on it because you can't just go into a supermarket today. So that came um, up in the conversation with the doctor as well, where he, he, you had to tell him, he, he knew you had agoraphobia, did he? That you had a fear of leaving yeah, the house? Yeah, I was just saying, look, it's, I found, that's why my mother was with me. Um, I said, look, I have agoraphobia. Can she come in with me and just be with me? So um, they said, yeah, no problem, because, you know, now they're very strict nowadays. And um, you can't just go in with anybody. Um, so Did he make yeah. some remark about the shopping, though? <clears throat> he said, do you go to the marketplace? And, oh, no, he said, you don't go to the marketplace, do you? And I said, no, I said, my husband does the shopping. And he said, oh, that's good. He said, otherwise you need St. Vincent to Paul. What did that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by it. In the sense that if you couldn't go out to get food, food would have to be delivered into you, obviously, by Vincent de Paul. But was he trying to make some kind of a joke about that or something, do you think? See, I, I don't know, because like, he had a mask and everything on, so it was hard to tell if he was trying to be humorous or not. But I just said, oh, right, I said, my husband does the shopping and grind like. The question here really is whether or not being called fat is an acceptable term anymore to describe somebody's weight or whether some people deem it to be a term of abuse. Yeah, I don't know if it's abuse, but I think a bit of bedside manner wouldn't have went to miss, especially I was up there in pain. He knew before I went in there that I suffered with my mental health. Um, you don't need to be insulted on top of situation yeah have have you ever tried to lose any of the weight do you mind me asking um like I've had two children and I like I'm starting to go out now so 
So yeah, I have a treadmill in the sitting room. So yeah, I kind of do my own little bit as much as I can. Yeah, and it, does that involve changing diet? Treadmills are fine, but they're useless if you haven't changed, if you don't change the food that you eat, you know? Yeah, yeah, like I'm, I have like the same, I eggs and toast every morning for breakfast. And I think my thing personally is snacking. It's different. Snacking, yeah, yeah. Snacking yeah. all the wrong stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas other than that, look, it is what it is with my weight. I look after that myself in my own time when my head is around to it. But I don't need to be insulted by a doctor. Okay, okay. You deem it to be insulted. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I, I think it can make a huge difference a bit, a bit of tough love, you know. I, I have no particular problem with the word fat. I, I know that vocabularies have changed very much over the years and many people think that it's an unacceptable word. Um, but personally for me, when I was called fat, you know, or an Oompa Lumpa or a Michelin man or stuff like that, it made me sit up and take notice of myself and and kick me into gear, you know. If people yeah. were saying, if people were saying, Ash, you're grand, or Aaron, no, sure, it's only a couple of pounds. Like, for me, it made a huge difference, the word fat. When I got, in, when I got into the gym and, and Tony Martin started using the word fat with me, and another, another word that rhymes with, not doesn't rhymes with fat, but it starts with F, um, then I started to get really serious about a weight loss plan. Do you know what I mean? See, that doesn't bother me. Like, the word... Fat in general doesn't, it, it kind of means nothing to me really. Yes, I am overweight, but I think the word fat shouldn't be used by a professional. Okay, good point. Hold, hold on there, because uh, I'm going to get some text on this. Text 0868104106. Orla, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Okay, the word fat, is, is, it, a, is, it, a, is it an acceptable word to use anymore? It depends on who it comes from. If it's from family, fair enough. I got told I was too fat for a back operation. Well, I, I'm not saying that somebody walking down the street and you're, you, you know... can tell you you're fat. I, I'm not saying that an, a complete stranger should come up to someone and say, would you get out of the way, no. you fat... Whatever. No, no, no. Family could say it nicely to you. But the professional said it to me, and like you, it did the reverse. How's and that? Walk the road... I lost the weight, I lost three and a half stone, I walked the road, I had the back operation last February, and it was the best thing that ever happened. And how much of that had to do with the fact that the surgeon said you were fat? All of it. Determination. Explain. I couldn't even believe I I took it from him because I'm not a choir person. And I couldn't believe I I came out of the surgeon and I was the cheek of him. One minute now, I know I am fat. I've been sick for years and I got over that. I got over cancer. Now I had a back operation to face and the cheek of him, he didn't live my life. And then I went the reverse the following day. Sorry, <laughs> Laura. Get this going out, guys. That's amazing. And off I yes. It, and off I went. The, it slowly <laughs> sunk in. That it the, did sink in. Yeah. On the positive. On the other side, right, I have, I need this back operation. I need him to do it. What am I going to do? I'm going to lose the weight. And I did. And I'm out walking the roads every day since. I suppose what I'm trying to endeavour to find out is if, if calling somebody or labelling somebody as being fat as opposed to obese or a need to lose a few pounds can actually make a huge difference to drive them on. 
to drive about. I know it's hard to hear it. I came out, I was like a fun. I couldn't believe she could him saying that to me. Sorry, Matt, yeah. to tell him back. And then I went, right, I start you, I lose the weight, and you better do my arm. And he did. <laughs> and I always remember the morning I went in for the surgery before they knocked you out. I said, don't ever call someone fat against him. And I was knocked out and I got the after. Well, why did you say that to him, though? If he, if I, by, by, by labelling you as being fat as opposed to obese made you, made you change? Yeah, but uh, that was me. If you're strong, you're going to do the opposite. I'm old. But if you're a quiet person, you're going to go into yourself and eat more. You're going to go the opposite way. Okay, okay. It yeah. depends on the person. Totally depends on the person. Maybe, maybe doctors say it on purpose to motivate people. You know, like, uh, my point, and I've made yeah. it already, is that would you have been as successful if you said you were obese? No, I don't think so. I think it was the word fat that went, that hit the trigger with me. I think it was the word fat. Definitely. Okay, okay. So you can Just relate to what you can, can relate to what Grania is saying when she went to the doctor. Totally, and totally, totally can relate. But think the positive and think your health. That's the way to do it. All right, guys. Appreciate that. Much advice. Right. More calls on this. Thank you. Thank you, Grania. Thank you, Orla. Text 0868104106. Years, some years back, we did Fat Factor competition on air. It wasn't a competition. I suppose it was really. Uh, it was a challenge, actually, is the right term. It was a challenge. Fat Factor, some years back on the show. We had great success with it. We had five participants who lost 20 stone between them, but we called it Fat Factor. That was some years back, begs the question. Would you be able to put a challenge on air now using the word fat? Um, text 0868104106. Quick break, back after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Of these tweets that are doing the rounds, I don't know whether it's fungi down west. They're saying that it's probably not, but there's all sorts of uh, images now, photographs and Photoshop images of fungi with a cork hat on them and a bottle of Tanora in one fin and a box of various tea in the other fin. Uh, happy, happy days. I was down around there having a look around. Didn't see any, <laughs> didn't see any fungi or any dolphins at all in Kinsale Harbour yesterday but maybe further out be the old head anyway lines open at 1850 104 106 text 0868 Kieran says to be absolutely honest to somebody who did lose weight sometimes you need the push to change your eating and your exercise habits and maybe the word fat can help to make all of the difference anyway to the phone lines we go Gronya good morning hi Neil how are you what, what makes you angry the use of the word fat it's like I kind of feel you have fat. You are not defined by it. Do you know what I mean? You have it the same as you have hair, the same as you have nails. You know what I mean? Like you're. I, I just think it's used as an offensive term when, in actual fact, it's not. It's just something you have. The same as well. In the wrong hands, hands the word "fat" is offensive and it is a yeah, term of abuse. If it came I from a from a stranger, yeah, and I. Yeah, and I kind of feel it's it's the context. It's like any word. You can make any words offensive. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a snowflake, Jesus, absolutely not. But I just, as someone who's been there and had that journey, you know, I just kind of, there were certain trigger words for me that I just felt, oh, no, no, no. And that was one of them. Well, tell me you know? about those trigger words then um, and whether or not they actually had any positive change in your life for the like maybe it was those trigger words did you lose the weight I, oh, I did, yeah absolutely I did yeah I did a GP call you fat 
No, he didn't. And in fairness, I have to say, I really couldn't say enough about my GP. He has, he is fantastic. Like, and he, you know, the way he would always say it to me was out of concern. You know, you could tell by his tone, by his inference that he was coming from a place of concern rather than, you know, trying to shock me into doing it. Maybe because he knew that that wasn't the way to to approach me. But I you want to be a right brave GP to tell, to tell a patient that they're fat so. because like any, so. you could end up being sued. Like this crazy world we live well, in now where everybody absolutely. gets offended. You know, where there's blame, there's a claim. But yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I've spoken on the is. air in the past. I remember vividly talking to a woman on the air who was called a fat cow in public. Best thing yeah. she was ever called, she said. Changed her you life see, entirely, this, she yeah, said. This is it. And for some people, it is what pushes them to to do something, you know. And I just remember, for me, it was, I, I was down, I, it was just a random appointment for something. And he just said to me, you know, he'd often say to you, you know, well, have you kind of thought about doing something with the weight? Or, you know, like, have you, are you, what's your plan? Or Because he always kind of knew I had it in my head that I wanted to do something. But I think he was kind of trying to motivate me towards doing it sooner rather than later. You know, and that was really why it was kind of it lived in the back of my head for a couple of months before I went right. You know, he's actually right. You know, it was in the back of my head all the time. Uh, but yeah, but that was a touchy feely approach. Like that wasn't. Uh, it, it it was, but at the same time, he was. That wasn't. Was that wasn't Gronya's doctor saying, "I'm not sending you to the A and E because you're fat." No, no, it wasn't. No, he was consistent about it, though. You know, every every two or three times I'd see him, he'd say it to me. You know, and you knew the appointment where it was coming because he'd kind of look and he'd be sussing you out to see, you know, what kind of mood you were in. And But, you know, I just kind of felt that was the way I felt it worked for me. I know, but you, you know, see, it it's all very... Me. Yeah, and it did motivate you and Slimming World yeah, came yeah. and you lost it. And yeah. you see, it's all very well for somebody to come on the air and say, oh, the best thing that ever happened to me was a stranger called me a fat cow. It motivated me to lose weight. Two things on that. You can't go around calling somebody names no. and being offensive. No. to people no. and secondly it may have been beneficial to her to lose weight but for many yeah. other people being called that could lead to all sorts of issues with regards to overeating binge eating and depression Warney, we're not even 48 hours after the death of that lovely girl Nikki Graham correct yeah. you know I mean I'm not a big reality TV person but I would know her from you know her name being in the media and all that and you know I mean look at you could go back as far as Karen Carpenter I mean there was nothing wrong with that girl nothing you know, but because she was in the social, you know, she was in the media's eye and all the rest of it, it just brought so many negative people towards, you know, brought that attention to her and look at the consequences. Can I read out you know, an email, I mean, if you don't mind, from somebody who yeah. just wanted to pick up on the point on the death of Nikki Graham? I wish you well. Thanks for taking the call, Grania. Cheers. Uh, I'm writing to you about my daughter who suffers from anorexia. I've, having seen Nikki Graham die on Friday at the young age of 38, it makes me so worried that it could be my daughter one day. My daughter has been suffering from this illness now for 10 years. At the moment, she's about one and a half stone underweight. I look at her sometimes and her legs are extremely thin. She has lost all this weight in the last few years. She has no shape at all now compared to, say, four years ago. I find myself constantly watching what she eats because she eats so little, she gets very weak 
and has to have a few hours sleep every day outside of nighttime sleep. She's in college at the moment and is doing well in that area of her life. Even though she is two sizes underweight, the illness tells her she is overweight. So she won't eat if she puts on even a pound in weight. I can't have any weighing scales in the house as she would know if her weight had increased. I cannot believe there are no public treatment centres in this country for this illness. It is shocking as many have lost their lives or are struggling with their lives. I'm a single mother. I find it so hard to see my child suffering with no one to turn to. I don't want to lose my child, but please, Neil, read this out. Highlight this terrible situation in our country. Don't give up my details. The death of Nikki Graham at the weekend inspired me to send you this email. And thank you for it. And again, of course, in the wrong hands, terms of abuse can lead to eating disorders. And it can lead to eating disorders when any, when somebody's body image is being shamed um, or you're being abused in any way, shape or form. It isn't necessarily that you are overweight. You could be underweight. They may not look like the look of you. It could be your height. It could be anything. Uh, it can lead to all sorts of issues. A uh, lot of texts on this as well. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so... Um, the doctor did her a favour by calling her fat. Explain. No. You can picture the scenario. Doctor and patient inside in his surgery. Nobody else around. Private consultation. Everything was fine. Right? His main duty of care was to that patient. Right? Yeah. He told her exactly what was wrong. That she's overweight or fat or whatever. He said it when there was no one. He, I, I make off and I think... Actually, I 100% agree that he'd done all favour. If that's not a wake-up call coming from your doctor, there's something wrong with the patient. In the wrong, in, to the wrong person, though, they could spiral completely out of control. And what, come here, you go into your doctor for advice and help. He was given no advice, he was given no help. And here she is coming, Andy, Andy, I'd love to speak to the woman, because in the long run, he's after doing her a big favour. If this is not a wake-up wake up call for that lady like would members of our own family call her fat no they wouldn't because they'd be afraid they're a offender now the doctor had a one to one situation and he'd, he'd, should he'd, we he'd, should we then tell people that they've let themselves go should a loved one tell a partner listen um, if you keep on putting on weight it won't fancy anymore I mean, after hearing it a hundred times, t- uh, uh, husbands and wives discussing it, partners discussing it, I'm out there hearing a hundred, you want to lose weight, boy, that pants won't fit you, you're getting too heavy, boy. And you know, if you get offended by that, like, there's something wrong with you, because, like, when they say it to you, they're not saying it out of malice, they're saying it out of concern. And I hope that lady done something about it. I wish her the best, but I think the doctors, at the end of the day, he had he done everything right. He gave out the right advice. He he he. To see he's looking at this, you know. Yeah. Um, I I thought I thought I thought he and that, why why should she be offended? He was only telling her something she probably already knew, but maybe she wanted to kick up the ass and to get to get her say, hold on, no, this is my doctor. I, I'm going into him for a consultation and 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 advice. He just called me fat. Not me. Not me. And I don't. I don't. For one. Uh, uh, for once, uh, uh, reason think that the doctor meant it out out of an insult. He's just no, no. I don't I don't think it was an insult. It's just not at all. he, not he at was just he was describing her weight, but some are suggesting there are other words you could use rather than fat. Like it, how it, many, it, 
because oh, because yeah. in, in other people in 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 the hands of other people it's a term of abuse. But other pe- other people other people you see wouldn't you know I I know I know where you're coming from Neil. Other people wouldn't dear she she was one to one like. How many times you went to your doctor and, and he'd be concerned? He'd ask you to stand up on the scales. He'd, he'd just, you know, just to see how you're doing and things. If you're losing weight, he'd be concerned. If you're putting on weight, he'll say, "Well, you gained this, you gained that." So like, he's actually telling you. He's actually telling you. You know. So I, I thought he gave her great advice, and, okay. and I wish her well. I wish her well, and the best look her. So no, she, she can she can do her own thing, and and she knows how to deal with it. Okay, my friend. Just quickly before ten o'clock. Thank you, Jim. Uh, but the the world is moving and changing at a rapid pace, right? And the different terms that could be used or acceptable and shouldn't have been acceptable, they're also being scratched and censored and being obliterated from, um, you know. Society and also, in, and also, in, in fact, I read this morning from the things, things like Scrabble. Like there's been a war of words, and the word fat is one of them. Of course, the N word is another, and you know, lots of other is aspects of life that were acceptable are no longer acceptable, or rightly so. But now, apparently, Scrabble. I don't know how they're going to do this. They're just saying to you, if you, they will no, you'll no longer win a Scrabble game if you use racist terms or terms of abuse. No, no, seriously. So there is now an official ban on racist epithets which are the words that you come up with, apparently. I never knew that uh, with with regards to Scrabble. So there are apparently 400 derogatory terms that the makers of Scrabble believe now have no place in a family game anymore. Actually, you'll hear more terms of abuse from the people playing the games than you ever will from the games itself. You know, the roaring and the screaming and the fighting. And, and I love that. I think that's much more fun. Do you ever play 30 Seconds? Is it called 30 Seconds? The board game that we play on air? Play there every Christmas and boy, it's great fun at home. Anyway, Mattel has refused to publish the list of words, but it will certainly include any kind of use of terminology unacceptable to uh, people who are black, people who are Pakistani and people who are Irish. Back after 10 on 1850-104-106. Thank you. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. As I was saying this morning, the rollout of the vaccine schedule now has been thrown into disarray um, because anybody who had an AstraZeneca vaccine job planned for today, that's been cancelled and I've been getting texts from people saying that their you know, planned vaccination today has been cancelled and that you're one of about 14,000 people today who are due to get an Astra shot and all of those clinics have been cancelled because of the new advice. What is the new advice? Well, interestingly, they're, they're actually still stressing that you, the, the, the risk is 85 times higher of dying from covid than from any blood clot event from the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's according to Dr. Ronan Glynn. But it's this fear, it's this worry, tiny and all as it is, that means they're changing the protocol and the rollout. And they're saying for you know people under 60, no way are you going to get the AstraZeneca shot for the under 60s. And then there's changes as well to people who've got the AstraZeneca, who've underlying health conditions and, and stuff like that. But... Um, this is an ever-changing story of, of that, you can be sure. I'll come back to it a little later on this morning, but that's why I'm getting texts this morning from people saying, oh, my vaccination was due for today and it's just been cancelled. The reason for that would be because of your age and secondly, because the vaccine was going to be an AstraZeneca shot. 
Lines open for all other business. That as well, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. And back to the phones we go. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. What a great story! First of all, did you have a, did you have a friend who was upset by something that was said by the doctor? Yes. Um, well, since I started my late weight loss uh, journey, I documented on Instagram, yeah. and a lot of people have reached out to me. And this particular girl, uh, we've been messaging each other, and we've kind of built up a relationship. And she plucked up the courage anyway to go to her GP and inquire about a recommendation for weight loss surgery. So off she went, got her appointment and contacted me last night in absolute tears. Uh, went in, had a chat with him and he handed her a leaflet, um, you know, on exercise and healthy eating. And basically no, no, no conversation, just here's the leaflet, off you go. Yeah, yeah. So she went outside, dumbfounded, sat in her car for 20 minutes and bawled her eyes out. And what? then she contacted me. Do you know? I what, mean, was like, the, what, what was in what was in the leaflet? Like these are the foods you should eat. These are the foods you shouldn't eat. Well, I haven't seen the leaflet because this girl's in Tipperary, so yeah. she had just screenshot um, the front of the leaflet to me. Do you know? Did she want a referral for gastric banding or something? Was it? No, a uh, gastric bypass Sorry. or gastric sleeve. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's her choice. You know, um, like I think uh, people in Ireland today, we need a choice. So my my personal choice was to go down the gastric uh, bypass route to improve my health. And I'm lucky enough that my GP, when I approached her and said it to her, she was delighted because she had just come back from a, a convention of, um, you know, of local GPs, you know, the way they go off to these conventions. And the medical society are actually encouraging them to recommend on patients for bariatric surgery because, like, if you get to the source of the problem, um, in other words, now she said it as diplomatically as she could, you're um, not going to be clogging up the system further down the road. You know? Well, that's a very good point, I have to say, because mm. I'm even getting texts yeah. this morning saying that people who are overweight, whatever term you want to use, if you want to use sure. the term obese, it still costs the HSC and the Irish taxpayer millions and millions and millions of euro every single year in treatment because of issues. Now, I read yeah. about I read all about you in RSVP Live and at one stage you were weighing in at just under 18 stone um, and you were carrying so much weight that even the stairs had you out of breath, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Even going halfway okay. up the stairs and actually Neil, I'm a designer for Cash and Carry Kitchens and I would like, in high heels, I could nearly do four miles in the shower room each day and I was completely breathless. Now I am asthmatic but I found myself saying to clients, I'm sorry, uh, asthma's pretty bad today. I would be so breathless and it wasn't the asthma at all, it was carrying this weight around the showroom, you know? Because we started this conversation this morning with a GP who called the patient mm. fat. Did anybody mm. ever use those kind of terms with regards to the weight you were carrying? No. No, no, I was called uh, overweight. I was saying, do you know, like the thing with me is I think I was so far up the Nile, I was in denial that I was so heavy because I always look good with my hair and my makeup and my clothes. Um, but like that, as some other girls were saying, you know, you go to your GP, they weigh all the time. If you're underweight, they're going to say, look, I'm concerned. If you're overweight, they're going to say, look, Sharon, really now, you know, you need to um, kind of rein this in because you're, you're in danger of, you know, diabetes. Uh, cancers, you know, and I had a very bad back, Neil. I had a very bad back where I had got treatment and epidurals. And the thing with me is that I will do my utmost to keep healthy as I'm 50 next year. But every time that I would go to a weight loss class or go to a personal trainer, my back would go. Do you know? Because and was the back was the back pain and the back issue related to carrying the weight? 
it was enhanced by carrying the weight. You see, what happens um, as well in, in for mm. people, you know, when we talk about issues regarding our knees and, and our hips and stuff like that, that sure. it isn't always the case, but it can be the case. That that's from just oh, carrying absolutely. so much weight. I mean, I'm four and a half months down the road, Neil. I'm four pounds away from five stone. I mean, that's the average um, Not weight. Not weight, loss. Weight loss. Yeah. Weight loss. Yeah, I yeah. am down that amount of weight. Like, so that's like me getting a 10-year-old off my back. And had you, know? you tried and failed with different uh, weight loss plans? Oh, listen, darling, I've been everywhere. That was one of my things why I went online. I'm so well known. I mean, I've joined every weight loss class, uh, motivation, personal nutritionists, um, personal trainers, gyms. Would it I've work for a period of time? When I was younger, yes, I would be successful. Now, I've never had this weight that I've had, you know, in my later years. Um, but I would always cast myself as chubby, you know, maybe 14, 15 stone at the most. And I would get down maybe to 13 stone. Um, but that would be literally now, I'm not joking, starving myself. And what? Yeah. And then that would work for a period of time and then you'd ease up, is it? Sure. Like when I met Colin Boyle, now the chap in the bond, like he sat down and he said, tell me about yourself. And he said, look, I'm not here to tell you it's all about what you eat and drink. There's loads of factors. Like yo-yo dieting over the years is going to mess with your metabolism. I had fertility treatment for seven years because I had a load of miscarriages. And he said, Sharon, you know, your family members is weight in your family. I said, it is actually on both sides. And I could see as I'm developing through the years how some other family members had developed that way. And I knew that's where I was going. Why would somebody you know? say? Why would somebody say that to you? Because they're almost saying, "Ah, sure, like it's not your fault. You can't no, do no, anything no. about it. It's in like, your genes." No, 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 no. You picked me up wrong. It's all like it's so many ingredients to make a cake. You know, in life, there's so many ingredients that like, put you on a journey. Like for me, I'm a workaholic. I'm a stress eater. You know, so I could go all day without eating, but then I could eat lamagotria. You know, so he was saying like. There's a lot of factors in each person's life that would lead them down to weight gain. Uh, you know, I suppose any other things like substance abuses or mental health issues. For me, there was a lot of factors were in my pot, say, that got me to where I went. I was reading, I knew I, knew I was going to be talking today and yesterday I was just doing some research and just mm. looking at other people's lives. And I came across the story of Stephanie Preisner. You aware of her? Super talent, no. super girl from um, okay. Mallow, and then she, she's she's flying. She's an author. She's a broadcaster. She's an influencer. She's brilliant. Uh, but okay. she was she was carrying. Check her out, Stephanie Preisner. Um, she wrote a couple of great books. Um, she was carrying uh, a huge amount of weight. I can't remember the, mm. the actual numbers, but I, I've seen the photograph of her now, and I've seen the photograph of her then. And in yeah. fairness to her, she really nailed it. But apparently. Um, she, her, her moment of change was, I don't know whether it was the Brown Thomas window in Cork or was it the Brown Thomas window in Dublin. She was walking okay. towards it to look at some fashion thing in the window and said, oh my yeah. God, that, that girl is very heavy. And as she got okay. up to the window, she realized that it was her. And she, she mm. said for the first time, she saw herself in the mirror of, in the window glass of Brown Thomas as other people mm. see her, as opposed to her looking at herself in a mirror at home. Does that make sense to you? That makes 
Perfect. Ben. And I read I mean, that paragraph and I yeah. said, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah, and I know where she's coming from. Um, I'm a designer. I have mirrors all over the house. I haven't looked in the mirror in about three years. And actually, yes, uh, Sunday, Martin and I, we go for maybe a six to ten mile walk. You know, that's our thing. I'm really enjoying it. And we were coming through town to stop off and get a coffee. The sun was behind us. And I said to Martin, oh, look, Mart, my shadow is tin." You know, and he, he was looking at my shadow and go, oh my God, yeah, so, I can see my legs. Yeah, amazing. But I know where she's coming from. So what yeah. was your light bulb moment? Okay, um, we have an only child, Dara, a amazing young chap. And like, it was about maybe a year, year and a half ago. I was back up in a district working out up every morning. I'm an early riser. I'd be first in the gym, do my treadmill, da, 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 da. Back went again, back to my GP, loads of medication, uh, lying in the bed with my hot water bottle and he just came in and he we we're having the chat and he goes, Mom, I so wish you could lose this weight. He said, you've been an amazing mother, he said, and I know you're going to be an amazing grandmother. I want you around for my children. And I just said, Dad, that is so nice. I said, look, I'll try my best, sweetie, you know. He left the room. I started bawling, crying and going, how can I not do this when I'm so successful and everything else? And I'm one of those people like, you know, uh, poor Martin used to be nearly throwing the holy water at me, going out the door every Saturday morning, going down for my way in. You know, please, God, let her lose weight. You know, and like some weeks, yeah, two pounds, other weeks, half a pound. And the the consultant is jumping up and down, clapping me half a pound. I'm disgusted. I'll stop off and Fitzpatrick's on the way to work and get a big sandwich and a creamy cake. And that kind of led me then to a binge. Do you know, it just was a vicious circle. Whereas with this, I still have my stress. Now I want to emphasize this. Your stress is still there, Neil. Um, so no, I can't go on a binge. I have so you, to deal with them. You have a tiny stomach now, don't you? Did you get this done here? Because a lot of people go to Turkey. A lot of people go to Poland. Yes, no, I got it here in uh, the bonds with Colin Boy. Now, what is the uh, difference? You said, I call it gastric band, other call it a gastric sleeve, others say yeah. gastric bypass. Wait, what? Are they all different? They're all different. Now, the gastric band, I think, was the one thing that was introduced probably early on in Ireland. Um, they don't like doing that now anymore because there are troubles with it. Okay. Um, so it's either a gastric sleeve or the gastric bypass. And when I met him, he would only do the bypass on me because I had reflux um, issues previously. So um, I was all for it. I said, look, you're you're the expert. I'm ready. Let's do it. So you know? so no, is there any counselling ahead of this? No? There is. Yeah, there is. There, you, you go to see a psychiatrist. She'll do an evaluation on you. And it's down to her report. Then when it goes back to him, it goes to a kind of a committee in the hospital because uh, your dietitian is involved. And then you get to go ahead to say yes you're fine. Like, I know of one or two people who didn't get the go-ahead. They were told to wait about six months. They weren't ready. But, Neil, I was mentally ready. Okay, so you I'm then had the surgery, which resulted in a huge portion of your stomach being unusable, if yeah. you like, isn't it? Yeah, so, like, bypass really is like, he'll make the stomach like a pouch at the top of your esophagus. He'll cut it away from your remainder stomach, so my stomach is still in there, and he'll bypass your, um, kind of, most of your digestive system. So, like, when I woke up, I remember waking up in recovery, and he came in, and he goes, now, Sharon, I've done your stomach the size of half an egg. I said, good man, Colm. Good uh, man. Wait, wait a morphine. second. Half an you egg know? some size. Half the size but, of an egg. Yeah, but sure, your stomach expands. Um, but how so are you like going to get the calories and the energy into your body to to, to keep going with the well, stomach I'm the size fine. of half an egg? 
Yeah, well, I'd say that half an egg now is both the size of an apple because um, I'm almost five months down the road. Uh, like anyone who has... You're not starving the all the time. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm constantly full. Um, like for me now, at the start, to have a yogurt. You know, I mean, you'd mindfully eat a yogurt in a few minutes. It would take me about half an hour. You know, so I'm constantly, and you have to wait kind of like 30 minutes um, after you eat before you can drink. You can't really do both. So, like, even the guys in work would say to me, Crikey, if anyone says you work with bypass by sharing, she's starving herself. They'll say she's always eating. So you... You know, you always eat. So you... Nothing has changed with regards to being hungry or craving food. Um, It's just the amount of it that you can actually eat. Sure. Yeah, it's the amount. And actually, the, the funny thing about this is like, I've never had cravings after surgery. Never. I think it's the fact that I'm always eating and I'm always full. But like uh, my dietitian, Dermot, um, who's in the band, who's an amazing guy, uh, I always get a fast response because I would fire off an email at six in the morning and he'll always come back on, Jesus Christ, you're still up. Um, so he fired back to me. But tuna was, I hated tuna, Neil. I can remember a summer in my friend's attic in a heat wave and three of us were in Weight Watchers and the three of us popped a can of tuna in the sweltering heat, right? That was my nightmare. Um, So then Dermot said, look, Sharon, will you please try tuna again? It's packed with protein. I tried it and it's like mother's milk. I love it. So certain things I like before, I don't like now and I don't have cravings. There is a hormone, aggression, I think, or something that's in your digestive system that's cut out. Okay, um, so you, you're like everybody, nothing has changed in that regard. It's just the amounts that you can consume, you get full faster Correct. on smaller amounts. Um, Correct. But you do have to have your vitamins, like, you know, you have to, like, they'll emphasize that when you leave the hospitals. I'll be on vitamins now for life, and I'll be taking a B12 injection what, every three months. Yeah, I hear a lot about B12 injections, to be quite honest with people who are just wrecked or anemic or issues like that. Mm, but do you know the superstars over in Hollywood get their B12 shots brought to their house? They're all sitting in their luxury robes, ship, sipping champagne and getting their vitamin shots. Yeah, but they're not happy, so, though. They, 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 they're not happy people. Oh, Neil, they're, hilar- <laughs> they're, they're deliriously happy. They're deliriously happy. Yeah, but I just think well, Ireland is just a little bit... But with Backwards. the with the bite with the surgery that you've had, um, mm. this is for life, right? Oh yeah, so for life. What what will be and and you have lost just under five stones so far. In what mm. period of time? Mm. Um, I'm about four and a half months. I got it done uh, November the twenty fourth. And that is that uh, is rapid. Is that healthy to lose it so fast? Yeah, yeah. It's there is no hassle. Right, there is no has. I researched this now. For your first six months, your body is going to lose it rapidly, and then it's going to slow down. Like now, I can eat more than I ever could eat before, but I have so much energy now. I have a treadmill here. I call him Teddy the treadmill. I pop up at him about five every morning, and I do between nine and ten k every morning. Um, I don't do it on a Sunday because I do two walks on a Sunday, and I aim for three walks in the evening time. Okay, okay, so but what? I'm, but yeah. At some stage, you're going to have to halt the weight loss. How do you halt the weight loss? 
yeah, that's a good question. Everybody says to me, where do you want to go? Uh, as he explained to me now, uh, Colm, he was saying, look, Sharon, your body is going to go as low as it's ever been in its life. And then he said within the 18-month mark, maybe 80% of patients would gain up to maybe 10 pounds to a stone. So he said, that's where your body will settle on. Because the, the recovery from this operation, okay, you're sore for two weeks, but the recovery from this is actually learning uh, the right foods to eat. Like some foods won't uh, agree with me. The other day I had pineapple. Did not agree with me at all, at all, at all. But I can have strawberry, banana, pear, peach. What is What, what, um, what, what does poor innocent pineapple do to you? Fortunate the fruit. poor little innocent pineapple, which was like a party in my mouth when I ate it. Um, it's called dumping syndrome. So for me, when I dump, I get very, very tired, as in I cannot keep my eyes open. The pineapple you does know? that to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a release of sugar. Um, now, the dumping, some people would, some people don't get it at all. Some people could have it for a year. Other people could have it for life. Um I've just dumped twice and once was on a chick brown bread and the poor lonely pineapple. You refer to dumping as just collapsing all the energy goes. Yeah, it just just leaves me. I just get very tired. I go for a little snooze and then I'm um, tickety-boo then again. Okay, so you're not seeing as many people as say you would under different circumstances outside of COVID, but have you got a reaction from those that you have seen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is delighted for me in my local community. Um, the girls on Mums at Meyer, they all posted up about me and um, got great feedback. Um, clients, clients, there's a lot of clients coming to me who would have seen me maybe eight months ago. The houses are being finished now. They're coming back in. And a lot of people who follow me, they actually say to me, Crikey Sharon, you're actually smaller in real life than what you are on Instagram. I'd say some of them are jealous and envious at the same time. Would you think? No. No, no, not at all, Neil. I mean, it's the year of 2021. We have the first vice well, it's right to be jealous in America. The first what? The vice, we've got the first woman vice president in America, like it's 2021. Women are empowering women now, Neil. No, I'm you not know? saying that there's anything wrong with being envious. I'm just saying that they probably yeah. are looking at you saying, wow, I wish I was her. Oh, sure, if they are. Look, fair play to them. But <laughs> I nobody has said that to me. Like, you know, I think everyone is just so happy. Um, everyone has congratulated me going fair play, Sharon. And a lot of people online are saying they could see him doing um, the exercise with the weight loss tool because he did warn me. He said, I'm be under no illusion now, Sharon. If you don't use this tool correctly, you will gain the weight. And I know some people have gained this weight back. You know, so this is the first weight loss program and tool that I have used, Neil, that I've been successful. But is it possible, or does your cravings not, you know, your your hunger not allow you? Is it is it possible to just eat, 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 and for it to burst? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No, no, because when you eat, right, you get that. Do you know when you have your Christmas dinner? Do you know when you have that bloated feeling and you have to open the button and you're like, oh my god, I'm going to burst. Yeah. That's the feeling you get, like. So you can't even get air in. So you just you just can't eat. Like, I posted up. Yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. You posted up what? I posted up there last week. I had done a, you know, the fish and batter. It's not that you buy and you pop it into the oven and whatever. Yeah. And I had that and I had my cauliflower rice and I had my McDonald's curry. And uh, I was eating it. And there was like two forkfuls left. And surely you'd be saying, surely to Christ, now she'd eat that. Couldn't. Just couldn't, couldn't. Just because you should never pair, you should never pair battered fish with cauliflower rice anyway. <laughs> In all fairness, like, you give me a break. I know I'm talking to a foodie, but listen. No, it's not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not being weird. a food snob. It's just, 
just not right. <laughs> you, need, you need buttered mash or you need chips or something with it. And actually, if you wore chips and curry, no, Neil, I would have vet you from head to toe, right? If you put them in front of me now, I can eat them if I want, right? I just don't want them. I how, have no love for them. How much was uh, all of amazing. this? Was it expensive? Uh, this was uh, between meeting him, da, 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 19000 Oh, my God. It's the price of yeah. a family car. But sure, listen, what's 19000 for your health like? I mean, I was going to Slim World, Motivation. I've done everything. Sure, we lost it. Look, I'm 50 next year. It was invest in me now. What's your money? I mean, absolutely. You know? Spend it any way you want. Yeah. I wonder, should people be able to get this kind of gastric bypass surgery through the HSC? I know there are countries. I think some people can when it's an absolute, mm. when it's, it's a question of life or death. Do you think it should be yes. funded? Um, yeah, and I know there is a public waiting list, but I think now it could be open to correction. I know it's gone from seven to ten years, um, and I know a lot of patients or a lot of people will go abroad because it's a lot more affordable. Um, one of my missions really was to see, you know, is it the chicken or the egg here? Is it the the, the surgeons or is it the health insurance? I kind of got a bit along the way. There isn't enough people doing it here. I know the girl that's in Dublin. Um, I don't know her name now. Um, oh, there's not enough surgeons doing it to bring the price down enough surgeons this is the thing this is why the waiting list is there and um, now one thing I I am going to follow through with my health insurance my BMI was 44 but I had no pre-existing conditions I mean I was getting all these tests on the bonds and they were all coming back on oh my god like unremarkable this patient is unremarkable that's in my health records the shortest thing for a girl of her size you know and even in the hospital the nurses and doctors were saying you're not the normal bariatric patient in that I had no pre-existing condition you didn't have type 2 diabetes or anything like that no okay. no, no. but what do you do when you when you go just finally sorry for the mm. 20 questions when you go out you're and you're fine. able to go into a restaurant with your friends your partner your family and they want to yeah. have starter main course dessert and a couple of glasses of wine Yes. So you're like, you're on the outside watching them, aren't you? You're not really not at part all, of the party. Not at all. This is going to be amazing. I've already spoke to my girlfriends about this. We call ourselves the Loops. Hi, Loops. Hi to you all. No, but how, like, like all of the Loops will be having starter, yes. main course. They'll be sharing the cheesecake, a couple of bottles of vino. And Sharon no. will be just kind of... Away. Sharon will be part of No, I was never a dessert person. I was never into that. The girls would always get a dessert. I would get a cheese board. So I love my cheese. I can still have my cheese. Um, yeah, but mouse sizes of cheese, like a little nibble. Oh, yeah, but sure. Listen, I talk for Ireland, Neil, so I'll just keep them all entertained while they're stuffing down their meat. You see, this is the thing. If I sit down with my husband, right, and we're having our son to dinner, my plate is on the side plate. Mars is on the normal plate. He'll be finished before I am because you have <laughs> to on his side. To Thanks. your food, you know, <laughs> and like glasses of wine, I can drink uh, one egg. and a half glass. Well, you so. have a little glass egg cup for the wine, you know, not a porcelain no. one, a glass one. No. <laughs> do you know what you do now, Neil? You pay for me to go out for dinner uh, when all this opens up, and you can sit across the table with me and so go right you're a, and do this. You're, you're going to be a cheap date, like you eat off side plates and have thimbles of wine. <laughs> There you go. There you go, darling. What better way now for my husband to go into our 50s than a cheap date? Sure, he's thrilled. He's delighted. Although, no, but all jokes aside, it is the best thing that I've done. Um, even for my mental health, I was always a positive person, but now I'm just ramped up there, like, 
you know, my confidence has grown more. And I think for anything, anybody who wants to go on this weight loss journey should be given the opportunity. People can follow you on your Instagram page. It's called Bypass by Sharon, right? That's it. Mind yeah, yourself. Lovely it. chatting. Thank you for sharing. Thank Appreciate you. it. Take care. Okay, God bless. Cheers. Bye. Sharon O'Malley on Instagram. Bypass by Sharon. Text 0868104106. You want to pick up on that conversation? Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, by email, and I get emails regularly with regards to something we did on the air about a week or 10 days ago, Udos oil. You can either drink it or take the capsules. You had a man on your show who said he had a cure for severe pain in joints and muscles, rubbing in oil at the moment for a little bit of relief myself. Would you get the name of the tablets or the products that he mentioned? Well, n- nobody ever mentioned cure. I will never mention cures for any way, shape or form. But we did deal with the topic of conversation in the past and I mentioned Udo's oil. You can either drink it or take the capsules. It's U-D-O-S and good luck with that. It can help with pain relief. Uh, also delighted that the good people out, uh, I think it's out Rathpeakinway came back to me regarding um, their history project that they were hoping to do. Beth then came back and said, thank you so much for your help with our recording history project in our area. We appreciate it and we think we found a solution. They want to record for posterity the older generation living in the community and they have come up with a plan and I'm delighted to hear that. Also, just talking about Rath- Rathpeakin, a lot of people listening out there, including Katrina, because the Rathpeakin GAA are having a shave it off for Marymount and Blarney Meals and Wheels. Bit of a shout out for them. They're hosting their virtual event this coming Saturday, the 17th at one o'clock. And they got a, they have the daring team members of Rathpeak and GAA who'll be shaving their heads for Marymount and Blarney Meals on Wheels. Um, so it's a good time to do it, actually, as the weather picks up. If you're doing it in November, December or January, you'd be cold out there if you're wearing woolly hats. But anyway, uh, they hope to, they already have currently raised four and a half grand and they hope to add to that. And you can follow them on the Rathbeacon GAA Facebook page if you want to help out or just watch it. It's a virtual event. Lines open one 106 Yesterday I was talking about the greedy people who take more than they should when it comes to the special offers in Aldi and Lidl. Stories of people walking out with three power washers, uh, one for each member of the family, and others then going out with two or three um, garden heaters. Last week it was garden furniture. You know, I think you should just take one and allow more for other people. A lot of texts on that. People are making a fortune raffling the items. Um, They should be taxed on it. Some people are doing it every week. These people are on job seekers. I thought you're not allowed to earn extra money when you're on a job seekers. How do you know that somebody raffling an item from a supermarket is on job seeker? Do you know them personally? Aldi, Aldi usually do have a quota on special offers, Neil. I'm surprised. And when they were doing three Easter eggs, for instance, for three euro, it was a max of nine Easter eggs per customer. <laughs> That's a quota. Three times more than you would need, maybe. Just to let you know, I purchased a power washer in Aldi Blackrock the other morning. There were three left on the pallet when I got there. Uh, and then one or two more. I saw. Oh, I read this one yesterday, but it needs repeating. I saw a poor shop assistant having to take three power washers off one person. Come on, like, who needs three? Well, I think it's greed. If one person is going out with three, I really do. And he was looking for a power washer. Um... Uh, they're gone now at this stage. I say Aldi and Tory Top Road in Balafihan have the best system. The manager gives out a ticket to each person for what they want and informs everyone when the product is gone. It's one item only per customer. But what if you have three family members? Do each of them get a ticket? Probably. Uh, anyway, thank you for all those. And then 
Big response to changes with regards to indoors and outdoors. Hopefully it will continue in spite of the AstraZeneca changes. I'm glad to hear that the streets are being used for outdoor dining. But what will happen with the smokers? I really hope people won't be allowed to smoke outside while people are eating. I find it disgusting, says Jay. They always could, incidentally, in defense of smokers, smoke outdoors. Um, You know, that's what outdoor dining was about, you know. People could smoke outdoors. People choose not to smoke outdoors. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. In outdoor dining, are there areas outdoors where you can and where you can't smoke? Probably not. Um, what I'd like to know about all these dining outdoors on the streets, who covers them with insurance? Is the restaurant owner or is it city council? I don't know of any insurance company that covers people dining or drinking on the street. Interesting point. If you were dining al fresco, say on Princess Street or Winthrop Street or Oliver Plunkett Street, and you fall on a curb, break your foot or whatever, break your nose, who is the claim against? Assuming you are likely to claim, is it against the restaurant? Is it against city council who own the footpath? Interesting. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. To all of the texts I've been getting this morning for people who've had their vaccine jab cancelled this morning. The reason that it's been cancelled is because you were due to get the AstraZeneca shot. So rather than me waffling on about the changes, I said we would turn to medics instead. It's been a while since I last spoke to Dr. John Sheehan, Blackpool Bridge Surgery, former Lord Mayor of Cork. He was very helpful to us in the early days of COVID. And here we are again, um, you know, well past the first anniversary at this stage. And he joins me by phone. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Who would have thought, um, you know, 13 months later, we'd be still here talking about COVID, different aspects of it, but COVID nonetheless. Would you? I certainly didn't. And like all of us, you know, your memories come up on Facebook, Neil, and you see things a year ago, and it's, it's hard to believe that you're kind of still in this kind of world. And um, now, hopefully we're on a path out of it, and I think we are. Um, but it's been a long road, and it's a frustrating road. And every week there's a new twist in the tale. And the latest, being the latest. The latest twist. Okay, we have passed a million shots, not individuals, some people have got the second dose, but we're over a million now. Um, and AstraZeneca is causing worry, isn't it? I mean, in layman's terms, what's going on? It is. Um, there's a, fight, a small association with clotting uh, with it. The, the risk is about four in a million. So to put that in context, that's less than a flight to Australia. It's way less than, say, someone who's on the contraceptive pill, someone who smokes, and about over a thousand times less than if someone actually got COVID. So the risk is actually very low, but there is a risk there. And Four in a million, is it four in a million of getting a clot or four in a million of dying? Four in a million are getting a clot. But the problem with it is the clot seems to occur in young people. Um, and it, it happens in places where they normally, normally we get our clots in our legs and our lower extremities. These clots seem to be happening um, higher up in the face and other areas, which usually do, don't present with clots. And because of that, and it seems to happen in younger people, they think it's due to the fact that younger people seem to have a more um, active immune response to the vaccine. And they think that's what's happening. So that's why they changed the recommendations yesterday not to be giving it under the age of 60 and to give it uh, between 60 and 70. We're currently giving the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine to the over 70s. So that's the logic 
to giving it. It's not like that they're saying, oh, this vaccine doesn't work. It does work. It works quite well. But it's just a balance of risks. Okay. Okay. So we've learned that. It's estimated that the rare events occur in in between four and ten people in every one million. And of the four in a million, one in a million may die. Um, Is it a bit of a knee-jerk reaction when you look at numbers like that? It is, I suppose, a cautionary principle because this is the biggest vaccination program ever and it's all happening so fast. The fear is that if this is a warning sign of something happening, now is the time to act rather than go ahead and then suddenly discover, no, this was way worse than we thought. So I think that's the, the, the logic behind it. As Karina Buckley, who's head of the immunisation committee, said, if we didn't have any other vaccines, we will be flowing ahead with this. But because we have other vaccines, it makes sense to start to streamline and reduce down the risk for people. Okay, but there was 14,000 of them due to being given today and all of those claims. I assume Parky Cueve is closed today, is it? Or is it just closed to Astra? It is. I don't know whether they're they might be giving some Pfizer vaccine. So, so for instance, in CIT or in MTU, uh, when they were doing the clinic, they were giving some Pfizer vaccine. So unless they're giving some Pfizer vaccine there, but I'd imagine it's nearly all AstraZeneca. So if they're giving AstraZeneca, they're not giving it today. So, so then would have cancelled. Yeah, and that and they're the texts I'm getting from people. So the people who are being cancelled now would have been those who are getting AstraZeneca today. Just drill into over 60s as opposed to under 60s, those with underlying health conditions and those not. That That's where it gets confusing for me. What are they saying? It does, yeah. So if you're over 60, they're going to go ahead with the AstraZeneca. If you're under 60 and you have a high-risk condition, and you've already... So, so, so the difficult need applies. People have already got one dose. Should they get the second dose? And they're saying yes. For those people who are high-risk who've already got one dose, they should get their second dose. The other group then are people under 60 who aren't high risk who've got one dose. These would be like healthcare workers and, you know, people working in uh, residential facilities and people like that. They're delaying that until 16 weeks rather than 12 weeks. And the logic of that is that there's a number of big studies currently underway and they feel they have a lot more information in that extra few, uh, by delaying it by a few weeks. So that's the logic behind that. Okay. And of course, the the... The worry now is that this will delay the rollout of the vaccine and in turn will delay um, changes to restrictions and guidelines and release from various forms of level five. That's the concern. I mean, the AstraZeneca makes up approximately about 20% of what we're giving at the moment. But The The vast majority is Pfizer, isn't it? It is, yeah. But the number, the amount of AstraZeneca we're due to get is due to increase significantly over the next month. And then we have the fourth vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson as well, going to come in the next few weeks. The traction of that is that it's a one-shot uh, dose. So that has an awful lot of appeal um, and for it as and well. And very high efficacy as well. I mean, I don't mean to diss AstraZeneca, but it's only 76% effective, I hear. It's only 76%, but where it's really effective is in terms of reducing hospital admissions and death. So, you know, in terms of people actually dying from from COVID, it has been shown to be really, really effective um, in that. The Pfizer and Moderna are plowing on, um, and we're, this weekend we have a clinic Friday, Saturday, we're giving 240 um, um, vaccinations, so um, that seems to be working away fine with the over 70s. The 60 to 70 looks like they're going to be giving the AstraZeneca, and then under 60, 
they've kind of put a pause and we're not sure what's going to happen. Are they going to get more Pfizer? Are they going to be Johnson & Johnson? Or what they're going to do? So those that are cancelled, what are they expected to be told as to when they will get a vaccination? The HSE are kind of gone back to the drawing board on that. So the question is, do they are, are they able to get more Pfizer? Are they, are, they, are they going to give Johnson & Johnson or will they be able to stratify it and give different groups? It will delay it a bit. There's no two ways about that. It's frustrating to suddenly see all these centres that were just up and running now suddenly stopped. Um, but they will get vaccines. I mean, there's lots of vaccine coming in April. Okay. That's the good news. Okay. Are you hearing any evidence, because I have heard it firsthand myself, of some GPs who are getting grief or getting some different forms of abuse from patients with regards to wanting to be vaccinated one I heard at the weekend was pulling out of the vaccine rollout and not administering anymore because of grief. We are, unfortunately, and, and it has to do with anxiety, really. People are just very anxious to get it. And then they hear of a neighbour down the road who's nearly the same age as them getting it. And they think, oh, why am I getting it? The vaccine delivery kind of comes in a two-week cycle. So your practice up the road from you may get it, yeah. uh, you know, a week before you. Um, so there is that sort of anxiety about it. Um, and patients see it. They just want to get their lives back and they just want to get on with it. Um, and that leads to frustration, yeah. And I, I have a... Have, part of it unfortunately just, and I just say to people just be patient this will be sorted you know this is the biggest vaccination program ever full stop this will be sorted there's other vaccines there's more vaccines coming down the track you know a solution will be found okay just a quick question because I'm always here for people if they do have a question to ask and somebody said would you ask Dr. Sheehan a question my mum would be 70 this summer and had blood clots 20 years ago would she still get the AstraZeneca vaccine at the moment, she probably would, but that will change. That may that advice may change in the next couple of weeks. By the time she, so she would fall in the she'd fall in the AstraZeneca group. Um, but that advice may change in the next few weeks. Is the honest answer? Okay, she doesn't know. I don't know whether or not she has an appointment for it. Don't she hasn't said, but she's just wondering with the blood blood clots at seventy. But that could change because of the reference of blood clots, is what you're saying, yeah? Yeah, and, and as more data, because the UK is about a month ahead of us, a lot of data is coming out there that is shown to be very useful um, in terms of how many doses they've given, the risk and things. So a lot of that data is going to come out over the next few weeks. Good point. Well made. Thank you for that. Thanks for the update, John, Thank as you. always. Appreciate it. Let you get back to a Dr. John Sheehan from Blackpool Bridge Surgery. Lines open on that, one 850 We'll pick up the conversation. Uh, actually, I'll just tell you, just stay with it for now because I think no, David, Dave is one of those that was actually cancelled this morning. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I, was, I think it was the second jab for you, was it, or was it a first? No, a first jab, Neil. First, uh, okay, what was the story? I was supposed to get it last Tuesday, but I was actually in hospital. That's and, right, you told me that, yeah. yeah. And they rearranged it for this morning, 12 o'clock, in Parky Keeve, and I was, you know, ready to go down, but I just, with the news last night, and the 6 o'clock news about the, they were saying that the, they were saying that the over 60s um, um, are going to get the AstraZeneca and the under 60s were not. Yeah. So I had not nothing. I got up this morning, ready, getting ready to go down. But I just, I was just a bit concerned. Then, like, you know, with the latest news about the, the cutting and things, I just rang the Mercy Hospital this morning at nine o'clock, and she said, "Oh, they're all cancelled. Everything. And we're ringing around everyone, uh, so they're cancelled, and they'll be in contact with me um, as soon as it, uh, as soon as the sort out. I think I, I think she said that." Um, it's uh, you know the chances the chances of of getting shot are something like one in a, five, in a half a million or one in a million. Yeah, well, and then more like four in a million. But oh, yeah. no, I mean it, it's, it's 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 look. 
I know. I mean, yeah. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that it's absolutely tiny. But I just reading this morning, the HSE has cancelled all AstraZeneca vaccination clinics planned for today in light of the new advice. But the question you're asking is, why cancel AstraZeneca vaccines for the 60 pluses if it's still okay to give it to them? I know. I, 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 I was talking to my consultant, the secretary, on the last half an hour, and she said she thinks that the government pulled it last night because of just fear. There's a kind of a fear there, any kind of a uh, after creeping in, in, in the last couple of since last night that there is a possibility, and people are worried. So they're going to spend an extra couple of days doing a little bit more research, and then they're going to come back. What are all these vaccines now? There's fourteen thousand vaccines. I suppose will they all be uh, dumped? In no, the, no, 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 no. Don't don't I even no. No, they're all. No, they just have to keep them refrigerated at a very, very, very cold temperature. All right. No, yes, there's no way they'd waste fourteen thousand. It's not as if they're sitting in a cupboard like they're in. They're in clinical conditions. Yeah. But 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 like we get the flu vaccine. I get the flu vaccine every October, and I suppose even at the moment they're saying that the the benefits with AstraZeneca are are, any the vaccines far away the risk. And we get the flu vaccine every year, and I suppose there's probably a very minimal one in one in two or three million of getting anything from the flu vaccine. The but the risk, but we still get the vaccine. So uh, if I if I had been offered the AstraZeneca this morning, I would have taken it. And you know someone who was called last night to get a job, is that right? Yeah, a friend of mine. Yeah, he got they just got a phone call. I think they had a few extra left over or something in the orthopedic and. And they were asked to come over, and uh, they went over and got the Pfizer, they got the Pfizer vaccine. Fantastic! Well, that goes to show it's not being wasted. Members of the public are being called, and and he and his wife went with him. She got a jab too, did she? And back in four weeks' time for the second one. Nice one. Okay, I, I'm also hearing that, that you know, with the winter that's just gone, there's been um, no sniffles, no coughs, no germs. All of those pesky things. Maybe it's to do with people sanitizing their hands, wearing masks, not hugging. It's, ama- it's amazing, you know. It's been it's been incredible with regards to cutting down on all the other things we normally would have had during the winter. Yeah, but it's mostly like, I suppose if you go back to this time last year, there were probably around f- f- between four and five hundred people on trolleys in the hospital. I don't think there's I don't think there's very there's very few no on trolleys at the moment. Well, you know, a lot of that has to do with the protocols that were put in place. And just finally, the the, the chap who was called was 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 he on a list or anything, or was he a patient no, of the hospital? Yeah, the underlying conditions, like. All right, okay, because you know I get calls from people saying, "Why did he get it when others didn't?" But the underlying conditions, yeah, and he was the age as well; he was over seventy. And did the wife of the, did the wife have underlying conditions? Yeah, I think she had she had a she had a fairly serious. It wasn't the case. Of, listen, okay, thank you. Any chance they bring my wife as well? I mean, there was there was reasons for the two of them. Sorry, Neil? There was reasons for the two of them getting well, it. There was reasons, yeah. There was underlying conditions yeah, for both of them, and that's why they were called. All right. Much obliged to you as always, David. Thank you. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Oh, so with regards to the power washers of the various Aldis, <laughs> I was in the Aldi and the Leeson yesterday. There were around 20 power washers still available. Nobody wanted to buy them. I suppose. <laughs> As well, the people living in the Elysian in the big tower, they've got nothing to power wash. I mean, might have these little doonchy balconies. I mean, you'd hardly power wash the por- the Porsche kitchen now, would you? Up in the penthouse of the Elysian. They have no need for those things. They'd bring in professionals. People in the Elysian would pick up the phone. They'd go to a power washing company. They'd have to come and do it for them. 
<laughs> Come on, get with the program here. Just one quick one ahead of eleven o'clock. Tony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Are you well? Good. I'm not. No. Now my temper is rising as well, but sure, listen, that's normal. Um, I was on the fourth of February about the government trying to kill the elderly people of the country. Oh, really? Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is yeah, there is that um, belief, yeah, that you're surplus to requirements. Correct, and they're proving it again now by telling us that. Uh, over 60s have to take the extra uh, whatever it is um, because bottom line is that um, it kills the old people so the old people can take a gamble and sure look up we stuff it's all right <laughs> you don't really believe that do you I do well listen just for the sake of facts the HSE and the government are a total disgrace let's let's put that on record since before I was born, I was voting for Fianna Fáil through my mother. That'd be good for But I'm 73 years of age. And the government and the HSE are the biggest disgrace in any country in the world. And I'm being very serious about that. They, ha- they apparently don't have a clue what they're doing. They're lying left, right and centre. We have a minister for health who can't answer any question about vaccines or the numbers. <laughs> Do you notice the big problem with, um, with him the other day was he sent him an internal email around the HSE wondering why his name wasn't his being name, mentioned. Exactly. Why his name wasn't being mentioned. This is Stephen Donnelly in HSE tweets. His name. He counted the amount of times other people's names were mentioned. I mean, that's childish, Correct. isn't it? Correct. Unbelievable. And he, he on, on five occasions on the dial at question time last Thursday, he was asked by various people how many vaccines were were available and he couldn't give an answer. He was 250,000 by the uh, end of next month or nearly 250,000. He couldn't give an answer, yet Mihal Martin gave an answer at some other meeting. That was what that problem was about, the email sent to the HSE. But you see, there's nobody works in the HSE, so obviously nobody got it. The HSE are, are, are a lot of themselves. I won't bore you and keep you, but... No, I, I mean, I, I do want to finish the conversation and I don't want to rush you, so I'll take up maybe two or three minutes of your time after 11. Is that okay? That's fine, no Appreciate problem. it, because it's unfinished business, particularly with regards to wanting to see off the elderly generation, as you believe, back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Officially Ireland's music station of the year, Red FM. Okay, so I just get right it off time. your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. 11 o'clock, I was chatting with uh, with Tony, 73. Why haven't you even got a call for a, a vaccine yet? Is there a reason for that, do you think? No, there isn't. No, no, no. And in fact, in fairness, I'm um, hopefully I'll be getting it by the end of the week. I hope this doesn't scutter us. <laughs> Good ladies in, in Corrigan Clinic just in the road from there look after me very well. But um, hopefully I'll get it. But like as I said the last time I was on to you, we were promised all this would happen by December, January, February, March, April. And we've been told a total bunch of lies by both the HSE and the government. No, no, I say you were never told anything of the sort in November, December, January, because there was no vaccines available until... Well, there was. Sorry, I beg your pardon. I'll, I'll, I'll readdress that. We were told that we were a vaccine in the country by Michal Martin. Look it up by the end of December. And... 
we were led to believe that this thing would be flying. Um, we'd all be vaccinated by June or whatever. We have no hope, and you know that as well as I do. That has to do more, I, I mean, I don't want to be going back over the sole chestnut, but that has more to do with availability. If there was more here, they'd be vaccinating more, although you believe that the HSE isn't even fit for purpose anyway. Exactly. Well, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to mention names. You can look it up yourself. I have no doubt you, you will in, 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 because you're, you're good at these things. In, in, in March of 2020, uh, HSE struck the country and there was a shortage of everything, as you remember. Uh, ventilators in, 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 in particular. The HSE thought they could buy ventilators in Galway by a company who made them. These had commitments elsewhere, and anybody, Neil and Tony walked in off the street to the HSE. This is facts, you couldn't make it up. Um, and we told the HSE we'd get them ventilators. So somebody in the HSE said, go away and get them. So we went away and allegedly got them, and we told the HSE, hey, I know, let's give us a check for 14.5 million. Okay? So next thing, Tony and Neil walk out of the HSE head office with 14.5 million in poker. We're asked to produce the ventilators. We do. 70-something of them, mm-hmm. which don't work. Having the hope. But Tony and Neil decide, lads, we have 14.5 million. We're not getting it back. And eventually we give 3.5 million back. This is all... Yeah, are you aware of this? No, I'm not, and I'm going to have to check it out because it sounds. Well, I'll like... give you a name. You could Google it. I did. It did put All right. Well, I can check. Don't don't say any more. But I'll check it out. I'll check it out on air, off air, and we'll see. We can come back to that topic about uh, money that was spent on ventilators that weren't ultimately used. Whatever the whatever the HSE did, and whatever the uh, issues that you might have with sections of it that don't work and sections of it that do work, the um, the amount of people now because of you know guidelines that we followed with regards to COVID. The amount of hospital admissions now are tiny. I would think that there are hospitals in Ireland, maybe in Cork, where they don't even have COVID issues anymore. They might have a few people in ICU. But the amount of people that are in hospital now with COVID stands at 206 people, amongst uh, of which 50 are in ICU. I mean, like, that's pretty yeah, that's, good. Uh, it's brilliant. But why is that the case? Because you and I did what we were told. Yeah, no, and and also those in the hospital settings, those who worked their Brilliant. asses off, Superb. did Incredible. the best job possible. That's why. Incredible. Yeah. I agree 100%. Now, now you might be referring to pen pushers, right? Or you might be pr- 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 referring to some pen pushers or those, you know, that yeah, exactly. issue, issue reports am, and all management. shuffle around paper clips. But that's not all of the HSE, you know. I know it isn't, but I'm saying that the buck stops at the top, and we know who that is. He's a former um, cable joiner for Aircom, who was the shop steward in Aircom. He's now on 420000 a year. Well, whatever. I mean, let's not over-personalise it. There's no need for it. We are where we're at. Oh, no. we're where okay, we're at. fair enough. But I mean, this should be known because the ventilators are one thing that's going on for Interesting sure. story. I'll have a look at it. I will. I'll certainly have a closer look at it. Forgive me. I don't mean to it's appear okay. ignorant on the topic, but I will have a look at it. Not at all. No, 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 no. If you put, put me back to Emer, I'll tell her again. Cheers, my man. Okay, appreciate that. Let's move on. Phil, good morning. You're not taking the AstraZeneca, is it? Well, not, no, not at all, Neil. And what Tony said is exactly right. And I've been saying to myself, for... 
so many years, the HSC and the government are not fit for purpose. They don't know what they're talking about. They've made all very bad decisions. Now, the Astro uh, vaccine was only for the older people. And then it changed. It now was only for the younger 60s. So now it's given back to the older uh, people again. So it's like we're just guinea pigs. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they're but saying... Yeah, yeah, but you you don't know you don't know that. Like, I mean, like we have to follow the science on this. They're talking about different age cohorts reacting differently to ventilators. It has a different effect on people regarding their platelet counts, for instance. Um, it it see, it seems to be the research they're doing seems to be, um, and it's tiny. It's like four in a million. Seems to be young people, primarily under the age of say forty. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you have to follow the medical advice, don't you? I mean, you don't have to get vaccinated if you don't want to, incidentally. Oh, I know. Oh, I, would, I had intended getting vaccinated, but I certainly won't be taking that vaccine. And, you know, it's about young people again. You know, losing one year, you're the woman on your show there a couple of weeks ago. All the young people, they've lost a year of their lives down. It's not fair and they should be able to go and enjoy themselves. So just because you're old, does it matter that, you know, another year would be great if you could get have another year? I mean, they have a life ahead of them. They have years and years and years. So you're not willing to believe them when they say that you in your 70s are okay with AstraZeneca. You're not willing to take that gamble. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Okay. No. And you know, if you were one of the ones they said, oh yeah, so four in I did how many million? But if you were one of the people that died or one of your family, how would you feel about that? It's like a one in a million chance of dying. One yes. in a million. But if that one now was in your family and you're young, I mean, you're young people, how would you feel if there's one in your family? Yeah, but you'd have more of a chance of being hit by a bus or being no, killed no. by a train. No, no. No, no, I don't agree with that. No, I mean, we're in a very serious operation. Well, we're not going to be hit by a bus because we can't go out. We're not going to be hit by a train either. Because Falling down the stairs then? Well, no, I don't use the stairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, look. Right. No, you, know, you, have a, you have a serious concern. You need to follow. You need to follow your instincts. If your gut is telling you not to take the oh, AstraZeneca, then... My gut is telling me not. And first day, when they started disputing about this and the rights and wrongs of it, there was always something about it. And I'd always get a feeling about those things. And I said, by God, that injection is not for me anyway, or the vaccine. And now that we're after hearing this in the last couple of weeks, they're going from one stage to another, to another... I mean, how many times now in the last month has all this changed? We're going from one place to another, to another, to another. So I know you're talking about science. I do believe that. But it's the people that are telling us this. Sometimes I wonder who these people are. Okay. All right. You'll hold out for an offer of another one then, is it? Oh, I will. Or otherwise, I'll take my chances, Neil. Okay. Okay. You know? Okay. Thanks, Phil. Actually, thank you for that. Uh, Tony's right um, in regards to 14.1 million euro that was spent by the HSC. It was given to a company in March of last year. It's uh, an article that I've just picked up on here on the journal. I think it's an examiner article originally. Uh, There are detailed ongoing discussions with the company uh, regarding um, a multi-million euro ventilator contract. HSC um, gave 14.1 million to this company for ventilators that then failed 
the quality tests. So I'm assuming that they were never used, um, that the HSE paid over 14.1 million in March last year for ventilators. And it's also been revealed that the Dublin-based company is involved with organising festivals in the Middle East. Um, there's a, there was a worldwide chase for ventilators at the time and the HSC was seeking to double its capacity and they used a number of suppliers to source ventilators and that the company Rockview, I think, constituted a small number of purchases. Well, if he thinks 4.14.1 million is a small number of purchasers, they must have an awful lot of money to spend on the HSE. So those, there's, and the, the last article you could find on this actually is three months ago, where the HSEs were said to be in detailed discussions with the company over the 14 million euro contract. Um, does, what does that mean? Detailed discussions about trying to get a refund or, or something like that? I mean, what happened? Did they, you know, actually take delivery of all of the ventilators? So Tony's right. It is a story. It did happen. And there was 14 million involved. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Oh, it's an incredible story, actually. I don't know why it wasn't, uh, maybe it was a big deal. I don't recall it. I just don't. My apologies. Maybe I should have. But apparently there were all sorts of red flags at the time of this deal going through. You know, 14.1 million paid up front, incidentally. A couple of... This is a festival management company, apparently, who then brought in the ventilators from China and a couple of them were brought into the CUH and they trialed them there, uh, two of them. Um, but, I mean, it's an amazing story. I'm going to have to read up some more on that after the year. I mean, maybe they were just so desperate and caught out the hop at the time and was said, yes, yes, yes. Like, at one stage in the UK, I recall in the UK, um, government officials saying, we will buy ventilators from anybody. You have them, we'll buy them from you. And maybe there was that aspect of panic that they just wanted ventilators. And, uh, you know, maybe the due diligence wasn't done on the company. I don't know what the story was, but it's an amazing topic of conversation. 14.1 million gone west. I think they got a refund of about 2 million. Don't know where the company is now or where the owner of the company is, incidentally. Anyway, Josephine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Come back to that. Yeah, I just wanted to say I got the AstraZeneca shot about six weeks ago, and then I got the Pfizer shot this past week. Two different shots. Is that that not a bit peculiar, no? Well, no. I mean, I already told them that I had the AstraZeneca, and um, they went ahead and gave me the the Pfizer jab then, you know. Okay, so they they know what they're doing. How come there was only six weeks? Isn't it supposed to be 12 weeks? Pardon? I don't know. I don't know, but I did tell them that I'd, when I had the, the uh, AstraZeneca, you know, when I got the AstraZeneca shot, and um, so they knew, they were aware of that, but I've had no problems with this one, the Pfizer. One, either of them, actually. No no side effects whatsoever in either? No, just in my arm, no, it's gone. it was a bit sore, but it's gone now, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... And, and and I don't mean to pry and always slow mm-hmm. to ask them about anybody their age, but did you fall into a particular age group that they said, okay. Over 70. Over, se- over, over 70. 70. Yeah. And, and why did you ask them, why aren't you giving me two, which, which one did you get first? Uh, the AstraZeneca. And why did you not ask them, why aren't I getting a second AstraZeneca dose? Well, I don't know. I, there, there was some controversy about the AstraZeneca. You know, so yeah. anyway, when I got the the, uh, the Pfizer one, you know. And how long ago was that? Um, this past week, about four or five days ago. So four or five days ago, they were making changes with regards to um, AstraZeneca. Then, yes, and yeah, flipped you yeah, over to right. Pfizer and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I I got the Pfizer jab, you know. 
Yeah, no problems, thankfully, you know. Okay, okay. So, yeah. do, you, do you expect now to be getting something like a vaccine passport or some kind of digital cert to allow you to get on with your life? No, I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, get anything. No, I mean, like would, would you, is that what you'd like to see now that of you've course, been... Of course, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, you know. But I, I, I apparently, you know, it's, it's if I did, God forbid, get the virus, you know, whatever then it's possible that I could pass it on to somebody well, else, you know? Well, that's exactly the thing. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the thing, you know? You still, yeah. you could still carry it and give it to somebody else. So, do, yeah. it doesn't make you, it, it doesn't make you immune in every sense of the word, sure it doesn't? No, of course not, but I still wear a mask when, I, when I'm outdoors, I breathe in the fresh air. But if I go to a shop, to the store or whatever, then I wear my mask, you know? Good for you, good for you. Yeah. Thanks for taking the call. And I take my hand sanitizer with me as well. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay safe. I love the Vox actually earlier on. Seamus did a Vox down at Yaw Beach yesterday. One of the things down in Yaw that we were looking forward to now that the 5K is gone is that they can go to McDonald's. <laughs> it clearly means they don't have a McDonald's in y'all. Not yet. Watch this space, though, I suppose. You know the way things are. Lines open at one 104 106 A couple of texts from yesterday's programme. Mind your own business, people. Um, you know, quit with the curtain twitching. Let people live, for God's sake. Everybody now is like the COVID police. Another one then says, I've, I live on my own. I feel I need to have something as it, for an intruder some form of protection. I thought there was someone upstairs last week and the deadliest thing I could find was a sweeping brush. Someone told me to buy a hurley and they told me that loads of people have hurls, golf clubs and other things at the side of their bed. I wonder what else do people keep to protect themselves? I'm so sad that you find yourself even asking that question in the first place. Um, There was nobody upstairs, I hope so. There wasn't. I hope it might have been a pipe or something moving or maybe something just fell over might have a spirit or a goat better not talk about ghosts but I think it's kind of sad Um, and then of course you're out and about with your dog I presume like many other people I am now terrified to walk my dog both by myself um, and my dog for the dog's safety never mind my own I can't believe there's not more being done about this situation. Well, what can you do? Like it's not every day you expect somebody to pull up in in a white van jump out with a hammer threaten to beat your head and if you don't give him your beautiful dog I mean that's a new low and I didn't know this although I did cycle across the Mary Elms Bridge it's not something I noticed the only thing I noticed was oh I'm so glad they've replaced the black the, the glass panel but somebody says you may have seen the glass panel that was replaced on Mary Elms Bridge it's a different shade to the other three how hard is it to get right um, especially when the bridge itself was made in Ireland can't they get anything right is there a different shade of glass I didn't notice it. Unfortunately, you know, why has the glass panel been replaced? Well, not everybody on the Mary Elms Bridge behaves themselves, unfortunately, and that is sad to see. It really and truly is. And then lots of texts on different uh, topics, including yesterday's talk about dereliction and the amount of vacant properties out there. I live in a country village. The estate is on a hill and a guy up the road has a commercial yard with no planning. Lorries coming, racing up and down the road early morning as we're low, as we lower the noise tunnels, as we are lower the noise tunnels down to our home. A machine for taking on and off wheel nuts, driving us mad. 
it would do actually that kind of noise I'm part of the tidy towns and they've raised it a number of times at meetings but nothing is done well how can something not be done if it's a commercial yard without planning anyway now there's a groundworks yard there and machines on Sundays and other days they're being repaired it is so terrible to live here it's upsetting our standard of living don't want my name given out because I don't want the hassle that we get Feel fear, I really do. Regarding your show regarding empty properties, I have observed the amount of social housing that is available for occupation in the city uh, is not a joke, but an injustice to the thousands of people who are on housing lists. My question is, are our city councillors demanding answers from our public servants? Like how many properties are being handed over per week? How many properties are being handed over per month? It's about time this cosy cartel was challenged. I wish to know what they're doing and they are certainly not turning over available properties fast enough. I can, I can get back on and, and get an updated figure as to the amount of properties that are being turned over and given up for, um, for rent. About dereliction, there is a highly active dereliction team within the planning unit of City Council, and it would be important to get the Council's perspective on their experience on the issues of property and banks, uh, says Karen McCarthy. I did that, actually. I hope you were listening yesterday, but I read out a response from City Hall, uh, from um, the housing department there, who spoke about the issues they have to go through with regards to derelict properties, fines, compulsory purchase orders, legal issues. A lot of the time it's difficult to get title or find out who actually owns them. Sometimes they're, they're distressed properties that are in the hands of banks. Sometimes they can't find who There's lots of different reasons as to why they say that it's slow. Or at least that's what city council say. But when I read out the email, to be honest with you, I can understand that it's not as straightforward as you think it would be. Just find them, take over the property. It isn't always that way. When it goes legal, it's a completely different matter entirely. Anyway, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines. We go from earlier conversations this morning. Sarah, good morning. Morning, Neil. How this, are you? This started out earlier on with the three-letter word "fat." You know. Yeah. Whether yeah, it's an it's- acceptable term to use. When you are just looking out for somebody's health, your thoughts? Oh, um, it's a word that I hate, Neil. I just think it's a word that constantly layers with all these feelings of negativity. I don't think calling someone fast does anybody any good. Um, I know in my own experience, you know, when I when I was overweight, um, I knew a hundred percent that I was carrying weight. Um, calling me fast wouldn't have helped at all. It would have only shamed me or made me feel even more embarrassed. But you, but nobody ever did, did they? Either out of kindness or malicious? Um, no, no. Um, but you know what? It starts so so young and it was only a couple of weeks ago like my little girl came to me she was eight and she just asked me she said mom she said am I fat and I just because it's not a word that I use inside our home um, and I said to her no of course you're not and I said where did you hear that and she said somebody had called her fat um, but even you know I caught her now a couple of times there. She's getting just move around a tiny bit there Sarah if you don't mind because I just want to be able oh, yeah. to hear a little bit clearer Sorry, um, but you know what? She's, she's actually come for reassurance a couple of times since. Are you sure I'm not fat, mom? Are you sure? You know, um, and it just breaks my heart because I just think like it's so young to be faced with a negative kind of relationship with your body. Um, 
do you know, and I keep saying to her, um, you know, um, what do you think? Like, do you think you're healthy? And she said, well, do you know, I eat loads of fruit and veg. And I'm like, yeah, exactly, you do. And I was saying to her, do you know, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And I take her through everything, like you have two big arms because people... No, I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah. I, I, I'm told that other people can hear you, but but I can't hear you, I'm afraid. So I, I really do want to talk to you, but I can't hear what you're saying. So I need to fix this. I'll come back after the break. Don't go anywhere. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Uh, Richie says, I can't believe that Neil is suggesting that the lack of sick people in hospitals ought to be viewed as a good thing. The real pandemic will be the ticking time bomb of undiagnosed cancers and other illnesses that are going to go untreated. Well, yeah, that's an interesting point you make. I understand what you're talking about, the, uh, the ticking time bomb with regards to un- undiagnosed cancers and other illnesses and cancelled appointments and cancels. I understand all of that, absolutely 100%. But I think it's only fair to accentuate the positive. If the numbers of people going into hospital with COVID is reducing and the number of people in ICU is reducing and continues to drop, that has got to be regarded as a positive thing, notwithstanding that our thoughts are with every single person who's in ICU or has lost someone or who is sick or in hospital with COVID. I'm not saying that. You need to differentiate between the two. two. So I understand what you're saying. Um, but no, I do still believe what I said from me anyway. My personal point of view is that dropping numbers have got to be seen as a good thing. Why not? Anyway, I'm very, very um, keen to talk to, to Sarah because this is very important. Her daughter is is uh, eight years old and comes home and asks her, ma'am, ma'am, am I fat? Because apparently somebody said it to her and she caught her looking at the mirror. So I hope this phone line's better, Sarah. Can you hear me now? Much better. Did somebody yeah. did, did somebody say it to her? Some a classmate or somebody? Did you talk to her about it? It was another. It was um, someone else that was her own age. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she just she came home and out of the blue because um, it's a word that I wouldn't have really in my home because I don't like the word. I don't think it it, it does anyone any benefit. Um, and she just came out with, "Oh, mum, am I fat?" And it just broke my heart that 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 was the label and the label was automatically like negative she knew she knew that it was a derogatory term when it was used when she was told she was fat um but it just broke my heart you know and I think that's it I think like most probably most of your listeners out there would remember at some stage in their lives where you know uh they began that kind of negative relationship with their body um, and being labelled as fat because it, it's kind of a term that's thrown around easily as kids. Yeah, but no, by no means like it is now. The bar is much higher now with regards to challenges for an 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old than, say, 30 or 40 years ago. Now you have social media. Now you have body image, body image, body image. Now you have filters. You know, Now oh, you have photoshopping. Oh, Oh, 100%. Um, and I remember, you know, um, it was one thing I did start with her was, you know, standing in front of the mirror and saying, what do you see? Because I see two big strong legs that carry around and I see two lovely arms that gives her nana and her granda a hug. And I see, you know, a, a big strong body. And I'd often be driving in the car and I'd say, oh, look, the sky is purple. And she'd say, mom, you're, what? Um, and I'd say the sky is purple and she'd say, no man, the sky is blue. And I use that then as a way of saying, but just because I say it doesn't mean it's true. Um, 
But it was just it was just awful to look at her and just think that eight years of age that that that's the you know that that she has come home with that kind of label. Is um, just, I mean, is she looking in the mirror too often? She was she was looking in the mirror when she was asking me, but no, definitely not. Like I'm I'm a Slimming World consultant. So if you ask her uh, what her mom does, she will tell you my mom helps people to become healthy. And um, when she sees the weighing scales, um, like, and she asks me what they're for, I would say, well, that gives us an indication of how healthy a person is becoming and whether they need more help or if they don't. Um, so I'm very, very careful to make sure that she kind of has that positive relationship um, with her sense of self and um, with her food, most importantly, yeah, as well, yeah. But like, and I, I don't mean to be—I don't mean to pry—but would you regard your daughter as being overweight? No, no. Okay, so Definitely why, in the not. name of God, would somebody say that she I was fat if it's nothing more than just a term of abuse? Do you know what I think? Neil? She's she's the little girl. She's the kind of little girl that will come out a little bit and then shoot up. So um, almost like, I hate using the term puppy fat, but I suppose that's the way to describe it. So um, at the moment now she might have a little bit of a belly, but I know in a couple of weeks or a couple of months she'll just shoot up and that'll be gone again. Yeah, so I have no concerns yeah, Kids can be so cruel, can't they? Definitely. And I think that's the thing. I think that's, that's some of the way, like kids are constantly growing. They're growing until they're 15 and 16. So, you know, sometimes they do have a little bit of weight, but that is to support a growth spurt. So, like, you know, I just think especially with kids, they're far too vulnerable to be to be labelled as fat, especially when their body is just doing something natural, which is for some kids, they might put on a little bit of uh, a few pounds and then all of a sudden they'll sh- shoot up and it'll be gone again. You know, their bodies are constantly growing. Um, but there never was, I mean, one of the huge growth industries now at the moment is, of course, in beauty, beauty products, yeah. uh, also yeah. injectables and even hair, makeup, those that manufacture it, billion dollar industries, all based on um, people feeling better about themselves. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there really isn't. Um, but not when it becomes to the point of obsessing. You know, do you do you do you live in a in a social media world in your home? Um, well, I would be on Instagram through my work and and things like that. Um, my kids are never on; they're not on social media. They're far far too young for that. Um, and even if you know, like the kids would know that I post up uh, recipes and I post up um, pictures of my food and things like that. And if they ask, it's always like, oh, well, you know, that's just if anybody wants to become healthier, that's an idea for them and things like that. Yes, but then Um, the other aspect of it is people who are just absolutely obsessed with hiding blemishes, um, hiding imperfections, physically changing how they look in either a photograph or or a video. They, They say, I read somewhere at the weekend, that don't kid yourself. You see influencers and you see bloggers posting photographs, right? Uh, or and some of them do photoshops or photo shoots. They may take a thousand shots before they'll find the one shot that they will use. The one. And but, the, but, but everybody only sees the one and thinks, yeah. "Oh my God, I want to be like that." And wasn't there somebody at the weekend I saw? 
posted an, an unchanged photograph of cellulite legs and the one acceptable photograph that she could find where she looked in her in her in in her eyes perfect oh yeah 100 it's the one thing i do dread when when my kids do come to the age where they do want to start exploring it's, social media um you know i think with it Chloe Kardashian there a couple of weeks ago somebody posted an unedited picture of her ah that's sent, the thread I was following you're right yeah, thank you she actually sent out lawyers um, you know demanding that it's her it, the images belong to her and to take it down and I just thought it was so so sad um, and then equally they're the kind of people that are promoting silly things like ap- appetite depressant lollipops and all this uh, why can't people see? Why can't people see that they're just being used? Oh, a hundred! Like we live in a society that's obsessed. Like there's nothing but binging and restricting, and there's no healthy balance at all. Um, like you know, if you look at any of the Kardashians, they're either sucking on them appetite suppressant lollipops, or they're posting the one meal where they're having the big spread. Uh, full of calories and things like that, um, you know. And I think it it's just so doesn't. Sad. It doesn't give to a healthy balance with food and a positive relationship with food. I mean, even to it's go not to the even cinema. food. It's how you not being happy with how you look in yourself. How can a 16, 18, 20, 22, 24 year old person, boy or girl, be happy with their the body that they have when everybody else is telling them that they have flaws and these are how to fix them? Absolutely, and especially when they live in a society that doesn't even acknowledge, yeah, that doesn't even acknowledge that their bodies are changing, and to love your body as it changes, and you know, and to know that your body is evolving, um, it's just it is so sad. It's one thing I do dread is is the time when they do want to go on social media because I just think it's toxic when it comes to body positivity. Listen, and your uh, sense of self and your sense of image and everything like that. There's no there's no balance out there at all. I know you'll keep a close eye on her. Of course you will as a mum. Of course you will. Of course you will. Oh, well, 100%. Do you know what? I just hope that she does continue having that positive relationship with herself and food and things like that. Um, but it's very hard when you live in a world where the external makes such a difference to them as well. You put it so well. Thank you for it, Sarah. Do feel free to call again. Stay in touch. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Take care. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Well, I don't get to today. I'll get to tomorrow. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. Eilish, good morning. Hello again, Neil. How are you? I'm good because a research earlier on this morning found that women who embraced their natural grey hair found that they were treated differently than by others. Some risking social rejection and others seem deemed to be incompetent in the workplace. Um, they, they, they found that women going grey can lead to social shaming. Is this, is this over the top or, or what? load of rubbish. That is so outdated, right, Neil? Okay, just to make a long story short, I suppose, you know, um, that's ridiculous. Anyway, I, I, I actually, Others I'm felt sorry. that they were invisible and they felt no. like they didn't matter to anyone outside of their immediate circle and that men never seem to get this criticism. It's women who go grey do. I'm, t- I'm 
I'm turning heads, Neil, since I went grey. Simple as that. I'll tell you what happened. Many years ago, I developed a really serious hair dye allergy. Hair dye allergy, is it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's horrific. And I'm sure other people out there have witnessed it. I've Googled it and all the rest of it. But it's extremely dangerous. It's like having a shellfish allergy. The more you do it, the more risk you are at actually dying, right? So, um, it was only a tiny bit in the start and I didn't know what it was. So I spoke with my hairdresser and he said, look, we'll let that heal up and we'll go again, you know. And it was actually what it turned out to be. It was a chemical burn and I'd been dyeing my hair for years. So, um... Anyway, so you stopped dying it then, is what you're saying? Eventually, the the very the last time I dyed it, I nearly my age. Can you remember Star Trek and the Klingons? Yeah, with big heads and the swelling, and my head was about three times the size it should be. And at the time, my partner was working way down Waterford City, and I woke up and he rang me, and he said, "How are you feeling?" I said, "Because you're going to have to come home." I said, I, "My eyes are closing and." My head is swollen. I can't drive to the doctor. I said, I have to get to him, like, you know. So, long story short, Neil, that finished that. So, I started, what would I call I, oh God, I went online. I got stuff from Italy and, you know, you do a patch test on the elbow and all the rest of it. And nothing. Everything reacted. But the, a reaction on the hand is not as bad as the head. What happens is your head swells. The, uh, it's the chemicals uh, in the dye, is it, ultimately? It's a thing called paraphenylene diamine. Okay, but, but, but ultimately, I, I, just by virtue of the time that I've left, you had to give up the dyes. I did, yeah. I had one that I could use, but it got discontinued about two years ago. So I said, here it goes. No, I have nothing else to do, only go. Um, natural. And one day, I was blowing y'all, and this gorgeous woman passed me, roughly my own age. And her hair was the most beautiful silver grey and beautifully styled. So I said, you Somebody know calls that look. Arctic Fox. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? Woman says, I don't have grey hair, it's Arctic Fox. Never heard that, no. <laughs> Good. Anyway, I, she, she passed you and you said, I want to be like that, is it? Yes, yes. And I had looked up styles online as well. And uh, all my family were, you know, my, my niece and everyone was kind of saying, God, you look lovely in that. So anyway, bit by bit, nearly took about two years post. My hair was very long. And it, during lockdown, like I said, it it kind of saved me because I, and it was very cold, you know, so I was able to wear an old hat and everything going out. So, um... Then I, it was gone so horrible and I said one day, uh, it was, I was like one of the witches of the Eastwick because it was quite long and I said, I'm going to take scissors to this myself because there was no hairdressers. So I did and I have source, beautiful silver shampoo, silver uh, conditioner, silver uh, shampoo. But having said that, the silver shampoo would always be um, patch tested before I put it near my skin. And it's even like... The, the allergy is so bad, Neil, that I couldn't even get my eyebrows tinted or my eyelashes or a tattoo or anything like that because I'm so allergic to dye. But um, anyway, so I'm really happy about the way it turned out. I'm still not there. I want it silvery grey, but at the moment it's kind of a blondy, silvery, and I'm delighted with it. You, so you love it, is it? You, you love it, and others, do others remark on it? Yes. They say... A lot of people, when I go uptown, you change your hair, it's gorgeous. And I say... No, actually, I just did nothing with it, is it? No, no. I said, yes, I did change my hair. Uh, I tell them that's how I looked in my 20s and 30s. So uh, it has actually made me look a lot younger as well, you know. And um, I'm thrilled with it. Absolutely so manageable. 
normal messy normal just just wash it and go do you look like Merle Streep now or maybe uh, maybe Helen Mirren no I'm even shorter than that it, it would be kind of um, onto the shortness of any Lennox but not as quite as white oh that sounds I was lovely. once upon a time yeah. the Annie Lennox of y'all is it of East Cork of Kerry and Tello Fantastic. Best thing. I, I, know, I, I, ne- I nearly said to you that the best thing that ever happened to you was you had an, an allergy to dye. <laughs> but anyway, I suppose. Yes. Uh, but, 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 you know, and like, there's so many things you can do because I'm sure other women have, because I, I know somebody else who had the same thing. It's horrendous. And um, basically, weeping down, I lost a lot of hair at the time. And uh, weeping down your neck, I was constantly, you know, I spent a week off work the second time it happened. And um, oh, I was going to, oh, it's, it's horrendous. And you're actually like the elephant man, you know. Oh, well, I was swelling, I no yeah. pictures. I have no pictures because back in the day, like, you know, uh, the old phones, you couldn't draw pictures and nothing. But um, what is fabulous then as well, Neil, if um, if any woman is in the same boat, like, chance it, uh, I sent him a picture of my hair there. And what I have done is last weekend, uh, two really good friends of mine, right, they were 40 years married, which, of course, we couldn't get their down McCrew. So we couldn't attend their party, and we're mighty friends, like, you know. So my niece bought me when all this started a magnificent set of hair chalk. They're all different colours. So if you just want a little streak in the middle of your grey, you just put on the chalk, and it washes out. So what colour is the chalk? It's a multicolour, multicolour. So I'll send him a picture of it there in a minute. But, like you um, can have a streak of black hair down the middle of the grey or purple or pink. You can have or... purple, yellow, pink. For the all Ireland final two years ago, I went, um, <laughs> I went <laughs> for Kerry, I went green and gold. And for this couple last weekend, um, they're from McComb, so they're Cork, obviously, we're rivals. And for the sake of the day that was in it, I put uh, red and white streaks in the front of my hair and uh, we did a beautiful video of myself and my partner to say hello to them uh, it was our way of being kind of at close but garden. apart at the same time I know yeah, crazy yeah, crazy yeah. person alright well listen good luck to you Alice. appreciate you taking the call and good luck and um, um, it might help some other lady um, because it is so dangerous like I said if if, if they get a hair dye done and they start to feel itching or even when my doctor which is an awful lot of people probably won't go back to hairdressers at all they've just done fine thank you very much in the last yeah. 13 months you know and I'm say? cutting my partner's hair perfect. do you know what I mean and barbers as well but no disrespect to them and I wish them well when they open but there will be some people who say actually you know what I don't need to spend that money anymore I can do it I myself I haven't been a hairdresser for 10 years Neil <laughs> Right. Go on, go on, mind yourself, go on, take care. I gotta keep moving. One last call before I go. Thank you, Eilish. Lines are open at one eight fifty one oh four one oh six. Now today the news with regards to Astra and it's been stalled and of course it's changed now for people and undoubtedly it'll be causing upset for people who are looking forward to getting their vaccines and it's been a lonely time for people over the past twelve or thirteen months, particularly those perhaps who've been living alone and I mentioned this a few times in the past, the help that's out there, the support that's out there, and amongst the supports that are out there is Cork's friendly call service. They've never been busier now, and I think they've probably hit a record with the amount of volunteers that are working and taking calls and dealing with the public. I think they're up to about 75 volunteers now. Such is the need for the friendly calls. Brenda Barry is behind the organisation, joins me by phone. Brenda, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Is is, is 75 as many as you've ever had 
making calls, yeah, chatting with yeah, people? It, it is, yeah. It's it's completely different, I suppose, with, with COVID. We had to we had to do things differently and obviously we had um, a huge increase in the number of clients we had. You know, we got an awful lot of referrals at the beginning of COVID from you know, from I suppose uh managers and day centres and from public health nurses and discharge coordinators in hospital that people needed that that regular contact you know so no it's just so because I was thinking of you because last week I had a chap on the air at the back end of the week and we were chatting and he said that he looked forward to the friendly call every morning and we just chatted about yeah. the call you know and one yes. of the things yeah. I said to us if you're getting a daily call <laughs> do you remember I was saying do you not run out of things to talk about See, not really at all. You know, it's 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 really nice because um, you know it's the same person ringing them most of the time, or for a period of maybe six or eight weeks. Maybe then we might swap around the volunteers to ring somebody else or whatever. But some people they just kind of build a connection, you know, from the daily chat, and it's a lot about you know getting a bit, you know, encouraging people to get a bit of exercise or seeing if they need anything, you know. And a lot of times especially through COVID people really did need things they needed you know prescriptions picked up they needed shopping um, in some cases we organised hampers for people who, who just couldn't get out to do that big shop are know, there still mean. people who were very much cocooning then and not going out at all yeah no we wouldn't be doing as much shopping as we were like at the beginning, okay, you know, when, yeah. when people were very unsure and families weren't sure where, where to, what to do as well. Well, I know, know that there's grandparents who still them. haven't hugged grandchildren, for instance, you know. Absolutely, you know, and, and people are missing family terrible, like, you know, it's really, and they've been abiding by the rules and playing the game the way they Human do, touch. I mean. Yeah, absolutely, none of that, or, you know, and we have a lot of clients as well who wouldn't have wouldn't have family anyhow, you know what I mean, or people in touch with them. People are, seem to be very isolated. So what I was saying, you know, that I suppose COVID gave us an opportunity to reach out to people who are very isolated. There was a lot more, I suppose, information available about the services that were available, you know. So and that's good, that. isn't it? Because when all of this is gone, there still will be a need for the likes of your good Absolutely. selves to make those we calls. We don't assume, you know, we don't assume that people are going to leave the service. You know, I, I suppose at the beginning in March last year, maybe up to April or May, a few people, you know, went off the service when their families will be able to come back in touch with them and everything. But mostly everybody who's come on has stayed, you know, um, and are you are you in are you in need? Are you recruiting more volunteers? Sorry, are you in need of more people to come on board? Yes, we are because people are kind of coming and going. You know, I mean, some volunteers might come and stay for you know a few months. But like I've a lady now, she started last at the beginning of lockdown last year, and she finished this week. She just has other commitments at the moment, so it's t- people are coming and going. So I'm always looking for people, really. You know, and it is like obviously people can do it from home. It's it's uh, it can be a shorter, a much of a commitment as they want. You know, they can ring two people every day or one person a day. I was going to ask you that, so it could be a couple or whatever. It doesn't matter. I've some people ringing ten people, and I might have some people ringing one or two. It depends on how what a person is available. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question um, that I've just been thinking about? What happens if you make a call to somebody and they don't answer the phone? What happens then? Yeah, in most cases, you know, we have an application form, so we might have a contact details for, you know, that person or whatever, so either a family contact or a neighbour or a friend. But in some cases, we wouldn't. We would be contacting the community guard, um, or, or I've, I've been known to be driving around the city knocking on people's doors, 
find out where they are or whatever, you know. And that happens as well. And it's important to follow up, you know. If somebody doesn't yeah. answer the phone and it's a news firm, we have to follow up. And we've had a case um, last April where, where when we we got the guards to do a call and the man had passed away, you know, and he hadn't home help or there was no one due. You know, there was no one going to be calling to his house. He's a very independent man. But he liked the phone call and it was so unusual. He answered the phone at the same time every day. He so, didn't answer the phone on. That's so sad. To, yeah, that is yeah, sad. Yeah, really sad. Yeah. But yeah. he could have been there for a long time. Now, if, own, if people you know. want to become a, uh, a volunteer and be part of the recruiting process, they can get in, they can get in touch with you. Is it is it the same contact? Like, uh, how, how do you find people who need a call or would like to get a call? Is it family yeah. or is it the people themselves? Most of the, the referrals we get would come really from public health nurses, you know, would be aware on the ground of, of who's, you know, who would need the, the, the bit of a chat. And a lot of people have missed, like, day centres or, you know, activities that they're used to do and stuff and they're not getting out at all. Like we've a lot of people haven't left the house since last March. Full stop. You I know, know. I know. So we would get an awful lot of referrals from public health nurses, from community guardy who, when you know they're going around uh, checking in on people that they see that they they might you know that they're lonely, that they'd like a chat, you know. And look, it's the consistency of it. It's great, you know, that, that the call comes every day, and it's somebody who's familiar to them. They mightn't have met them, but they're familiar. And you know, I suppose that that they they might tell tell that person something they wouldn't tell somebody else their worries yes. or their concerns. Uh, yeah, and sometimes fears, to somebody you know? that they don't know on a phone gives them yeah. that land bridge, if yeah. you like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So and, people and it's also look about mental health. Um, you know, people who struggle with mental health. We have a lot of people in their fifties, sixties as well who just might need that extra bit of support through a phone call. You know, um, and and we get those referrals as well from hospitals or from mental health. Services. Okay. So how how do do I, how do I communicate this message? Is it by mobile phone? Is it by web address? We can share on yeah, our, our... We have, a, we have a landline. It's uh, 021-430-1700. Um, our our par, uh, website is Cork City Partnership, so, uh, .ie um, and the information on Friendly Call is on the, the website there, but also my email, I can I can give that out to people. I'll share all of that on Twitter and on yeah. Facebook, but there is a landline yeah. number that people should call, 430-1700. Yep, that's it. Cheers. Thank Take you. care of yourself, Brenda. Thanks for that's taking great. the call. Thanks, Neil. Saw Thanks. a very sad um, report there at the weekend on the BBC. There were, I don't know whether it's still happening, but I think it is actually happening in South America. I'm not sure which country it was, but they were in an ICU unit where, and this may sound bizarre to some people, but they actually had filled up two rubber latex gloves, gloves with um, warm water, sealed the gloves, tied them, and put them next to the face of a patient who was dying. They were doing that in, in hospitals in South America. Such was the importance of touch, not human touch, I don't know how much a latex glove filled with warm water replicates human touch, the touch of a human hand, but there you, there you go nonetheless. Lines that stay open at 1-850-104-106. Love to hear from you by email to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.